On today's show, hey Howard. Howard sits down with legendary comedy duo Steve Martin and Martin Short. When Marty and I fly together, we save a lot of money because Marty fits conveniently in the overhead bin. Two of the funniest people in history together for one interview. So many people think that you're one thing, but and they've not. seen that one thing. I'm two things, actually. You're two yeah. things. And you are layered, and you're smart, and you're not a wild and crazy guy. <laughs> Only on today's Howard <laughs> Stern Show. Just the two of us. And, uh, we can make it if we try. Just the two of us, Robin. Oh, yeah. I was telling my psychiatrist yesterday how upset I am about the state of the world. And he didn't really want to hear it. He just was like, you're avoiding talking about you. And I was like, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm being empathic with the world. I'm upset about the women in uh, Afghanistan and Texas. And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Here, come on. Let's get to the real stuff. Start start whining about your parents. <laughs> it's awesome. I guess that means, you know, you're not going to do anything about those two issues. Right. Let's talk about something you can do something about. <laughs> yeah, like stop. Stop with the horse shit. Let's get to it. <laughs> I still feel like and I'm a therapy. You go to Afghanistan to free those women. I was actually going to go out there. I mean, as you know, I'm a, an expert in... Um, Weaponry and uh, <laughs> tactics, <laughs> war tactics, and uh, I was going to go, you, go out and Rambo. help them. You're going you're gonna to go yeah. in there. This isn't over. <laughs> Maybe President Biden took everyone home, but it's not over for me. Nothing is over. Ever. Hey, now. Yes, I said I'd get started with hey obituaries now. this morning, and I'm not sure that was the truth. We'll see. Maybe I will. I have so much to get to. You know, being on vacation for a while, a lot of things happened. So I'm trying to catch up. Yeah, here, the you world know? went on even though we weren't here. Um. By the way, this was kind of funny. My, you know, when people want to attack me, there's no real way to get to me because I don't read social media. But she's got her Instagram account and she's very actively involved in it. And uh, after yesterday's show. Uh, some negativity managed to get to me through Beth's Instagram account. And uh, here's what somebody wrote. Somebody named Barbie Cal. Barbie Cal. I think that's like a girl who's Barbie, but California. Um, okay. This was under the picture of Beth's magnificent ass that I was promoting on her Instagram account, telling people to take a look at that. And then she wrote, Tell Howard to mind his business. Okay, well, okay. Like, like, what does that mean? Get off the air? <laughs> mind his business. <laughs> I mean, I'm on the radio. If I start minding my business, I, I won't have a job. Tell Howard to mind his business about the vaccine. It's my body to choose what poison to put in it. And that vaccine is poison. Of course, I'll make the very profound statement. I guarantee you this person... Uh, um, wants to tell women what to do for abortion. Most of these people are anti-vax. Don't want you telling them what to do with their bodies, but they want to tell women what to do with their bodies. It's the ultimate hypocrisy. Well, there's no logic to any of the arguments of it. you ever hear. It just totally makes no sense. Because she's saying, I take poison, but I'm not going to take this poison. I don't know what's more ridiculous. The idea that 
you know, she's telling me I shouldn't. I choose uh, the poison I take. <laughs> yeah. Let me decide for my body what I put in my body. It's funny when all these people get COVID and then they're on a ventilator. They're like, I'll put anything in me. Give me anything. Give me anything. anything. Even if it's not F, whatever that is, FDA approved. Right, FDA. <laughs> but, but even more ridiculous, my whole business is not minding my business. I mean, my business yeah, is to talk, talk about. What would you talk about if you were minding your own business? <laughs> I'd be like sitting here going, Robin, I have nothing to talk about. This woman, Barbie cow, wants me to mind my own business. Anyway, so Beth forwarded that if to me. If she so minded that, her own business, yeah, she wouldn't be writing to you. It's so crazy. They'll avoid like the proven vaccine that works and then beg for experimental antibody treatments and horse paste when they, you know, horse dewormer when they uh, when they get sick. It's just well, so it's weird. the same as Nancy Reagan being against stem cell research until mm, it would have Alzheimer's. helped her husband. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought it through, and maybe it would be a good thing <laughs> because my husband doesn't I remember. I it, yes. Because I've been wiping my husband's ass for the last 17 years, and I'm, like, trying to get out of that whole My husband thing. calls me mommy, and he really thinks I'm his mommy. <laughs> <laughs> now, he, now he thinks I'm mommy. <laughs> Marianne from Brooklyn. Oh my God, Howard! It's been so long. <laughs> Not that you, long. Howard. For me, it wasn't that long. It's long for me. Now, I'm glad you enjoyed your break. I'm glad you were off. I did. I I had a really hard day yesterday. Poor Beth had to put up with me. I I wasn't. Tr- I was almost going to call Jennifer Witz and quit because <laughs> I was so fucked up after yesterday's show. You know, I didn't realize. How, like, doing the show is like running a marathon, and you, you know, even though you're sitting in a chair just yapping away, it's weird. It's, uh, it requires a lot of energy. And when I was younger, it was like, yeah, who cares? I just did a radio show. I'll go out and do a TV show, and then I'll shoot a movie while I'm at it, and then finish writing my book before I go right. to bed. But now it's like, I got off the air. I was downright woozy. I, I went upstairs. I said to Beth, oh, my throat is pounding. My ears are pounding. And then we always go for our walk. And she goes, do you want to skip the walk? I go, no, I better go on the walk. And I went on the walk and I was miserable the whole time. And I went, I don't know if I could keep doing the show. I'm all fucked up. What's going on well, here? See, this is what I keep telling you. Maybe it's not a good idea to take the summer off. Because when you stop, it's hard yeah. to get started again. It was a bad idea. You'll but today I'm in the groove. I'm in the groove. I swear to you, today I'm like kind of like, oh, this is normal. Like I'm, I'm back in the groove. I got you good, know, Steve Martin good. and Martin yeah. Short. We got you know a bunch of shit to talk about, and I'm and I'm all up for it. I'm all peppy. So there's so I think much I'm back. to talk about, Howard. There's so I have a laundry list of things that I saved all. All right, summer. give me one. So give me one because I have a yeah, okay. I have a bunch of things. Go ahead. Uh, can I give you two? <laughs> I'm going to give you one serious and one not serious. Sirhan, Sirhan, Howard, you got to talk about that. Oh my you God. Talk I'm, about I'm actually glad you brought up Sirhan Sirhan, the assassin with two names. It, while we were on vacation, there were a whole bunch of articles about how Sirhan Sirhan, again, is coming up for, like, parole. And it's like with uh, John Lennon's killer. Uh, you know, it comes, it has to legally come up. For some reason, these guys who just blatantly kill people, Sirhan Sirhan, of course, the guy who killed Robert Kennedy, one of the greatest political figures of my time. A guy who could have changed the world, who was just beautiful, beautiful man. And wasn't um, it was all about not nonviolence, Kennedy? Yeah. he was. He was the one about no no violence in life. Yeah, but anyway, 
Sirhan Sirhan, it came up for, you know, uh, parole. And then I was reading in the paper how some of these Kennedy kids, like Robert Kennedy's, like like the generation of grandchildren, the, the, I don't know if it was his grandchildren. Well, most of them are Robert's kids because he had a ton. Two, he had like two 11. of them, Howard, two of the children wanted him parole, but the wife, Ethel, said no way, and yeah. the other children said no way also. She wrote a personal handwritten note to the judge. Two of these kids were like, yeah, you know, it's been a long, the whole rap on him is, is that he's been in jail his whole life. Now he's this old man and let's let him out. And he served his time. And I'm like, fuck you and what? fuck him. What is he going to do now? Yeah. It's not like and, he's going to do anything. He might as well sit where he is. And he's a changed man and all this shit. This is the problem with the legal system. These guys kill people. And then they're like, you know, people start feeling bad for him. And two of his own grandchildren or something felt bad enough that they were like, hey, yeah, let the guy out of jail. And I was like, oh, please don't let this guy out of jail. He just fucking on TV shot Robert Kennedy. Roosevelt Greer tackled him, who was a famous football player. He just tackled him and they, they brought him right in. And that was that. So, so Ethel Kennedy said, Howard, he doesn't, uh, he's not allowed to have the opportunity again to terrorize. And also, the fact was that he would have had the death penalty, but right, right as he went into jail, then they changed that rule. So he wouldn't have even been here. So he's been living in the man, our system all this time. The man had uh, two names, Sirhan. No, Sirhan. you mean he had one name, but he used it twice. <laughs> there you go. That's a better <laughs> way of putting it. You know, um, this is a funny story, and I know you know this, Robin, but I'll tell the audience, and this is something he does not like me telling. When I first met Fred in Hartford many years ago, his name was Fred Fred. A lot of people don't know that. I, I said, if I'm going to work with you, I have to change it to uh, Fred Norris. You can't so be Fred up. Fred. <laughs> you can't be Fred Fred. He goes, why? Sirhan Sirhan is Sirhan Sirhan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when I was first born, my parents named me Howard Howard, but uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> well, you'd be stern stern because obviously they took his last name and made it his first name. Yeah, right. Was his last name actually Sirhan? Well, like, have you name? ever heard any other name? <laughs> it's not like we're calling him by his nickname. I see. Yeah, right. No, I think he just yeah, called right. himself Sirhan Sirhan. <laughs> Yeah, Fred was, was Norris Norris when that. I met him. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what that means? When your parents name you like Norris Norris, it means they're crazy and you're probably going to be crazy. So, that's right. You should have been watched from birth anyway. <laughs> that's right. But, the, you know, the Kennedy, like, the Kennedys are so liberal that some of them actually want the, the killer of their grandfather uh, <laughs> let out of jail. It's like... Howard, maybe they're these PC kind of kids. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. His name is Sirhan Bishara Sirhan. So he like has my, no That means his last guess. name is Sirhan. If my know, grandchildren, if my grandchildren, if, if somebody killed me and my grandchildren grew up and said, yeah, let the guy out of jail, I'd be like, hey, fuck you. You know, or I mean, excuse me, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you <laughs> to Sirhan Sirhan. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Howard, you That'd be great. me my oxygen I need. That'd be great if the judge went, uh, uh, and now in the case of Sirhan Sirhan, fuck you, fuck you. (laughs) Oh, my God. If I was like in heaven. If he had any, you know, uh, humility or was, you know, uh, sorry for what he did. He would say, please do not even subject me to parole. I I agree with you. By the way, um, 
he has said he's been on record saying that if he had ever had if he had ever you know not killed Robert Kennedy and lived a normal life, he would have named his son. Listen to this, Sirhan, Sirhan, Sirhan. <laughs> he would have gone with three names, tripling down. But if my if my grandchildren like if I if I was up in heaven, I could somehow see what was going on on Earth, and and then I heard my grandchildren go, uh, "Please parole uh, Howard's killer." I would haunt those little fuckers. And uh, I would make their lives miserable, like Topper, like the TV show well, Topper. Well, you know, that is part of their religion, you know, as a Catholic. Oh, yeah. You're supposed to forgive. It's funny, Robin. A lot of their religion, cause I'm Catholic. I'm not the best practicing Catholic. But it's funny how Catholics pick and choose what's good for them. You know what I mean? That's all religion. Like, well, that's every religion. Right. But I know Jews. Saying, like, I know Jews on Rosh Hashanah eating pork chops. So you know, they all, <laughs> <laughs> you know. By the way, if Sirhan Sirhan was, um, let's say he had lived a, an alternate life and he was a hero and he got knighted by the queen, you know what his name would be? Sir Sirhan Sirhan. That's right. Sir Sirhan Sirhan. <laughs> oh, my God. What a fucking dick. Hey, Can you imagine you're my, the father and you yeah. go, I know what to name him. Sirhan. What an idiot. He'd be like, well, let's see, there's got to be another name. Well, I can't think of one. Sirhan. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's like that band, Mr. Mister. They couldn't yeah. come up with like Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> Sir Sirhan. And then he'd be Sir Sirhan, Sir Sirhan, because you'd have to double it. <laughs> that fucker should never see the light of day. They should keep, they should lock him in an underground tunnel. Absolutely, Howard. But like I said, can I just say, Howard, I'm like you with your psychiatrist. I see the world as being very dark, and I found myself sitting here on a couch like numerous days in the summer, and you weren't around, and it was really getting to me, and I'm trying to open my mind to, like, see the light and not try to take on the world's problems. And I love you so much, and I'm glad you're back. And on a positive note, Olivia Jade is going to do Dancing with the Stars, Howard. They you got some it? real. They got some real loserish lineup with that. Well, when haven't the they had that? No, it's got. It's got. You know, like in the beginning, you had one or two, like C-list celebrities. But you knew they now, weren't going to be there the whole season. They were going to be out of. You know, like they'd be a hundred year olds. Like Cloris Leachman would be on the show. But um, anyway, hey, Marianne, I got to go later. Anyway, yeah, I'm glad she brought up Sirhan Sirhan because that is one of the things I got good and worked up uh, over, like, when we were away. And uh, thank you, Marianne Marianne, who... uh, (laughs) Let's everybody be a double name today. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay, you want a list of everyone who died? Well, I mean, not everyone who died, but a lot of famous people who died... Yes, I was all upset about reading about that guy who was on the TV show The Wire. I love that show on HBO. Yes, yes. The dude with the scar across his face. What was his name? His real name, I mean. Michael K. Williams. Michael K. Williams, yeah. Evidently, they found him dead in his apartment. They they claim it was a heroin overdose. Well, they said Uh, there was drug paraphernalia in the apartment. And apparently, he had been open about having struggles with drugs all of his life 
he played a, a, a like a gangster gay man, which I thought was kind of good for gay rights because yeah, it was, it like, was everything in one role. <laughs> yeah, but it, like, he was he a was badass. Black, he was gay, and he was a gangster. <laughs> yeah, he 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 was a really cool. But was he gay in real life? Because nowadays I don't think him, so. Oh, no. I don't know. I don't know either. Because nowadays. I don't think you can play a gay guy unless you're gay, right? Isn't that the new thing? Well, that's the thing. I was thinking about some other roles and how that person wouldn't have played that role if it was cast today. And yeah, maybe they would have had to have a real, authentic gay person play that role. It's a shame because um, sometimes it's really funny to watch straight guys play gay and uh, do it really badly. In (laughs) fact, it was Martin Short I was thinking about. Frank, that yeah. is the great Frank. I, I got to ask. I'm I'm going to call him Marty, by the way. When Martin Short comes on, I know it. Would, like, I, it, it's weird calling him Martin because it's Steve Martin and then Martin. Martin Short. Sure. So I'm, so I'm going to call. I'm going to just ask him right up front if I can call him Marty, even though it's a little informal. I don't know. I know that is. I know some people call him Marty, like Steve calls him Marty. But right. Anyway, he played. If you've never seen the movie The Father of the Bride. With Steve Martin, um, the guy who just blows the movie away is Martin Short because he he plays Frank, this gay party planner, and it's like the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Next to the other Martin Short character that he did with the, in that Kevin Bacon movie where he plays an agent, yeah, that we play that clip all the time. Here's what I'm going to be to you. I'm going to be three things. One thing, I'm going to be a friend. The other thing is I'm going to be a barracuda, you know, whatever. The, you know, he's just this, this, the worst agent in the world. <laughs> Do we have that clip when, when Martin Short is uh, talking to Kevin Bacon about what he's going to be for him? Anyway. But yeah, would so, they have cast Martin Short? Today, that's what you have to ask yourself. Yeah, that's what I'm going to And he okay. was great. Look, Nick, I'm not going to bullshit you. I don't know you. I don't know your work. But I think that you are a very, very talented young man. And I'm never <laughs> wrong about these things. Excuse me. Keith. Yes. Could I have another Cointreau and Sodi? And could you send an almond tort over to the gentleman in the white suit in the corner? Certainly. Look, Nick, I'm not going to bullshit you (laughs) because it's a waste of time and then it becomes like that thing. I'm very, very aware that you are seeing other agents and I think it's good that you are. Finally, I mean, it's healthy. But this is the thing. If you decide to sign with me, you're going to get more than an agent. You're going to get three people. You're going to get an agent, a mother a father, a shoulder to cry on, someone who knows this business inside and out. And if anyone ever tries to cross you, I'll grab them by the balls and squeeze till they're dead. <laughs> so great because Kevin Bacon's staring at Martin Short and he's kind of like like befuddled. Listen, I don't know your work and I don't know you, but I know you're very talented. <laughs> I don't know you and I don't know your work. But so you're how would you know he's talented? <laughs> and Martin Short holds up four fingers when he goes, you're going to get three things. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the greatest. 
It's it's mind blowingly great. Like it's just great. But then I don't know if that character's supposed to be gay. I always assume. I don't he know was. either. He seemed but, like you a, know. You he, think of Robin Williams in Birdcage, right? No, he couldn't. He couldn't be in Birdcage now. No, I don't think. But I don't know. I mean, it is acting, so. I mean, do you have to be a murderer to play a murderer? Yeah. I hope not. It's insulting <laughs> to murderers. Billy, you're on the air. Howard, hey now. Hey now. <laughs> you know, hey now. OJ excited about the idea of playing all murderers. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I got to talk Howard. about OJ too because he was pretty busy over the summer. I, I got I got a lot to get to. Hurry it up, Billy, because I got I really do have a lot of stuff to get to. I'm really mad at you about the Kennedy thing. <laughs> okay. His own son is the one that wants him released. So what? Doesn't make it right. Because his own wife doesn't. Okay, but. The shot came from the front from Sirhan oh, no. Sirhan. Right. But the shot that killed him came from the back. Dude. And all, Can I say and something? All the rest, Dude, all right. If you want to go with the John Kennedy, you know, theories, all right, I got you. But Robert Kennedy, dude, it was on TV. I watched it as a kid. Sirhan Sirhan oh, took the gun and shot fucking Robert Kennedy, my hero. Okay. And it was That's revolver it. with six shots. Okay. But they found eight holes. Okay. So maybe there was another shooter. So what's that got to do with anything? They caught Sirhan Sirhan. Fuck him. Right. What are you defending the guy for? Why would because you defend? I'm, why would you defend Sirhan Sirhan? Moron. Even moron. if he tried and missed, why would you defend him? Because. Because like, he wants him out of jail. Because maybe he could do a school shooting now once he gets out. <laughs> I know. I understand. I always agree with you on everything. But he yeah. wasn't the now killer. Now you've done it, Howard. <laughs> he wasn't the killer. He had a gun. There was a bunch of bullets in Robert Kennedy. Roosevelt Greer tackled him with the gun. But you don't want him going to jail. How about even going no. to a rally and holding up a gun? I believe he should be in jail. Oh, but I believe you agree with he should be let. I don't have the, the I don't have the other killer. If there is two killers, I got Sirhan Sirhan. Why would I let him out of jail? Because you didn't get the other killer. But he believes he should okay. be in jail. But what? I believe he should be let loose. You should believe he should be in jail, and he should be let loose. So, <laughs> no, well, he's got he, there's two of him, Sir Hand, Sir Hand. <laughs> would you like him to be on Dancing with the Stars with Olivia Jade and others? Yes. Oh well, then you got a point. That would be <laughs> yeah, all right. Maybe he can do TikTok release. videos when he gets back. <laughs> yeah, he can put on a Howard just Stern like, uh, mask and it dance. Does. Just, just like how you said about JFK. Do you believe there was one shooter? Yes. Oh, boy. Here we go. Hey, uh, let me ask you something. Um, if you believe Sirhan Sirhan was involved, why do you believe he should be let out of jail? Because I don't believe that was the kill shot. Oh. All right. So, well, let me ask you something. How about we let him out after he tells us who really killed 
Robert Kennedy. Wouldn't, wouldn't that at least be we're fair? Never, we're never going to know. We're never going to know. No. Why can't? All why can't? Oh, all right. I, I gotta I don't go, understand. Billy. He wanted to kill Robert Kennedy, and he made an attempt. I agree. Just with because that. he was bad, a bad shot. If you are right, he should be walking around to have other opportunities. All right, I get your your point. So I, <laughs> would, I don't even know what point you're making. <laughs> you should stop thinking. It doesn't work for you. Yeah, you're not a good thinker. What do you do for a living, Billy? <laughs> I hope it doesn't involve I work thinking. I work on the radio. What was that? I work on the radio. No, you don't. Oh, then you're fine. You don't have to be a good thinker to work on the radio. Oh, you mean you're a radio repairman? <laughs> <laughs> you're working literally on the radio. Because right, you sound a little, uh, you sound a little confused, confused. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I'm so worked up. I've never called in. I, I uh, ever since you got to Philadelphia, I've been listening. Never called in. Well, here's my <laughs> recommendation: keep listening and let me do the thinking for you. <laughs> By the right. way, um, you'll be right. my psychiatrist. There you go, Billy. All right. Thanks, Billy. Later. You Thank leave it thinking of me. Um, yeah, I was thinking like maybe we should write the judge and say, let Sirhan Sirhan out and he could be roommates with John Hinckley, who shot uh, President <laughs> Reagan because he's out. There you go. Yeah. Howard, there, there's two yeah. conspiracy theories. One of them is that uh, a security guard was involved, but it turns out that the gun he had was a different caliber and the gun got knocked out of his hand before the shooting, but the second conspiracy theory, which I find fascinating, which Sirhan got a psychologist to agree to, was that it's a Manchurian candidate thing, and he was programmed, hmm. and then his mind was completely wiped, and he has no recollection of what happened. Oh, yeah, definitely let him out of jail with that explanation. Yeah, because it, all they have to do is find that word, and somebody will say it, and he'll shoot somebody else. Yeah. He was a Manchurian candidate <laughs> who was programmed to kill Robert Kennedy and now has no recollection of it. He took a movie he saw. They took a movie. The law, in fact, Syrian didn't even see it. The lawyer looked at the movie and said, ah, okay, I'm going with this. Here's a defense because I don't have any other. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he should have watched a different movie. Like uh, E.T., that an extraterrestrial came down, lived in his house, touched him, put it with a light bulb on his finger, and put it to his forehead and then made him kill Robert Kennedy and then wiped his memory. Yes. He doesn't remember. Here's a really weird theory that I came up with, with the whole Robert Kennedy shooting. And I came up with it at a young age. My theory was a gigantic asshole with a gun went into a room and shot Robert Kennedy and then went to jail and now has served. He's 77 years old. He served 53 years in prison. There's my conspiracy enough. there. That's not enough. It's just not. He needs a few more years to straighten him out. Yeah. And my father always thought if you're dopey, you're dopey your whole life. You don't That's get right. second chance. That's right. We don't want to take a chance. Yeah. You are dopey. <laughs> you can't be on the radio. Well, when you learn how to say radio, I'll I'll listen to you.
Yeah, but I've never understood that attempted murder thing. Like, you attempted a murder, but you didn't commit it because you were a bad shot or something got in your way. And so you only get a little bit of time so you can get out and do it again. I'm with you on that one. You know, attempted murder. That's good enough for me to lock you up for life. That's right. That's like murder to me. Yeah. All right. So the guy from The Wire died while we were gone. Let me let me buzz through some of these because we're going to run okay. out of time because uh, we're going to have Steve Martin and Martin Short stopping by to talk about their whole thing. I'm a little I love jealous. That they're working together because they've always loved working together. Yeah, I mean, they're, I'm a little jealous of that relationship. It seems like they have a lot of fun together, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe like people are jealous of our relationship. They love to be with each other. Yeah. They're having a real bromance. Um, they go on the road together. They do movies together. Now they do this, uh, new thing they're doing on Hulu together. They, they get colonoscopies together, these two. Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> they go to their medical appointments together? Yeah. That is really a bromance. Yeah. I wonder where they stand on Sirhan Sirhan. <laughs> I wonder whether how far they broke. Like, do you think they've seen each other naked, Steve and Marty? We'll have to explore how far a romance can go. Someone told me a, a conspiracy theory that they pee in the same toilet, like Richard and Sal. Like, they, like Richard and Sal. Yeah. Wow. Crisscross. <laughs> that right, would here's who died. Me. <laughs> here's a couple of people who died. Uh, just the other day, Willard Scott died, and he's one of those guys that when I heard he died, I was like, wait a second. I thought he was dead for a bunch of years already. No, I didn't think he was dead, but I thought he would be older. That too. He's He was only like 80-something, but I thought he would be 100-something. I was like, yeah. wasn't he 100 when he was on TV? <laughs> for you younger kids, this guy Willard Scott was like the goofy weatherman on the Today Show, and he was extremely goofy, but... You know, he made that he he was like the original goofy weather guy. Like he'd wear weird clothes and party hats and like dance dressed around up like women and, you know, do yeah. anything. He even dressed up like Carmen Miranda. Yeah. Uh, which is a good look. And, and uh, wear not a wigs. Good look even for Carmen. One of the things I liked about Will Scott is he wore a toupee, but he was so cool about it. Like he'd whip it off and then put it back on. Like he showed you his toupee. He'd turn it and, around. He'd do everything. Yeah, I thought right. that was. I thought that was extremely cool that there was a guy who, like, he wore the toupee. He wasn't like when John Travolta wore a toupee or Burt Reynolds would punch you out if you pointed out that they wore a toupee. Like, they, yeah. they wanted you to act like you thought there was real hair on their head. And if you didn't, that you'd get yelled at or they'd never do your show again. Or, you know, if you brought up that they were wearing a toupee. Willard Scott was like, hey, I, I got fake hair. Here I am with my fake hair on and watch me take it off. That's pretty fucking cool. Howard, that's, when that's, we, if I ever go to the toupee, I'm doing that. I'll be like, hey, Robin, here I am bald, and now here I am with my toupee. <laughs> <laughs> when, when we you know why we his... thought, you know why we thought Willard Scott was so old? Why? Because he, because he, part of his act was he'd celebrate people's 100th birthday. So you just assumed he was like 100. But, well, I think, yeah, and he deserved to be 100 before he died since. He recognized all those older people. I was very, I'll tell you how, he, I feel he got gypped. <laughs> I'll tell you how old, oh, you can't say gypped anymore, by the way. Did What's you know that? that? No. It's, it's based on the word gypsy. And, um, 
When you say uh, gypped, you're, you just made a racial remark that I'm afraid. Uh, uh-oh. I'll be, can- you to, I'll be, I'll you're going to be canceled. canceled. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll hire you back. Sorry. I didn't we'll cancel you. that. We'll cancel you and then I'll find a way to get you back. <laughs> no, Will, you know how old Willard was? 87. Yeah, but he was the original Ronald McDonald. He, he, when he started out his career, this fucking guy, he, he put on a clown outfit for McDonald's and ran around and, and was the original guy on TV as, as Ronald McDonald. So you, you figure if someone told you, Hey, they, they were the original Ronald McDonald, you'd think he was a hundred. That's true. Well, even his TV career seemed awfully long. Yeah. It was like as soon as TV was invented, he was on. The other fact is the guy he worked with, who was the anchorman of the Today Show, was Brian Gumble. Yeah. Brian Gumble hated Willard. He thought he was a really? clown, which he was. He was Ronald McDonald. But uh, <laughs> he, he didn't he thought that he was diminishing the Today Show by being goofy. And I'm like, dude, lighten up. You're diminishing the Today Show also. You're not all that fucking serious. You know, you're a sportscaster who's now doing the news. Yeah. Lighten up. <laughs> I, I would never do that. If I was Brian Gumble, and there was some goofy older guy who used to be Ronald McDonald who was lucky enough to be the weatherman, I'd just shut up and let the guy work. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get him fired. Well, this is the thing about all of those shows. All of a sudden, like, somebody becomes Bryant Gumble, and then he has to be involved in everything of, that happens on the show. And oh, he's you remember how, not that, the like way that- Willard because he's, he's bringing him down. The way that whole thing got out was Bryant wrote this long memo to the executive producer about everything that was wrong with the show. And and there was like two paragraphs on Willard. But when when we worked at NBC, you know, I there's a letter I wrote to Sirius about Fred, about two paragraphs (laughs) of why he shouldn't be here. And did you destroy that letter or is it going to be found? I destroyed it. I destroyed it. I didn't want to see him lose his job. It was pretty scathing. But uh no, Willard. Willard, <laughs> Willard was, was great. You enjoyed Willard. I tuned in for Willard. I liked I it. loved his goofy stuff. I just liked when he took off his toupee. I thought that was cool. Too many people take that toupee seriously. Like, like Burt Reynolds was such an intimidating guy and an ang- and, and certainly a guy who should have been in anger management. I think he'd punched out a bunch of people, but. Like when you met Burt Reynolds, you all you do is stare at his head because he had that fucking thing on his head. And if you ever said to him, "What's that on your head?" he would have punched you out. So he well, basically because Burt Reynolds, he you know so desperate to stay young, his hairline kept getting uh, lower as he got older, which is the opposite thicker. of what hair does. Yeah, because when he was balding with his real hair. He started to get a receding hairline. Then one day he showed up on the Tonight Show. He had this big, thick, lush <laughs> hair. <laughs> and then, you know what else I like? When Burt Reynolds realized he was too old to have black hair, he went, he, I think they buried him in a, in a salt and pepper toupee. Like he went, <laughs> he went gray. That must have been a big decision. Like I think in his seventies, he went salt and pepper. And then, uh, I'm pretty sure, like, cause the last time I saw him, like on the Tonight Show or one of those shows, he he had thick, luxurious, bushy salt and pepper hair. Yeah, and uh, and even in the movies, that that's right. Because in that movie, Stripper with uh, uh, Demi, Demi Moore. Moore, 
he had the salt and, you know, he was playing this senator or something, and he had the salt and pepper wig. Yeah. Howard, I was going to say, when we worked at NBC, or and I was there in the mornings when I was working on Imus' show, I must have been in the elevator with Willard Scott every day for like a year. And he would do this really cool thing. I saw him do it like five times, especially when a woman got in the elevator. He kept his toupee in his briefcase, right? And he would take it out and he would put it on his head and then he would pick it up and go, good morning, and put it back on his head. <laughs> Top of the morning to you. It was hysterical. Damn, that's, uh, that's thick. That's funny. Like the, yeah, he uh, must the, have been a, a great guy to be around. I don't think Burt Reynolds was a great guy to be around. Yeah, he certainly wouldn't bring up that toupee. Same thing with like, like we had Bill Shatner on the show a bunch of, you know, William Shatner of Star Trek and he wears a, you know, a wig, a rug, whatever you want to call it. And uh, whenever he's on, I'm always like, I hope nobody brings up his rug because he's real sensitive. But you can tell, like, he's one of those guys right. wants to pretend that everyone thinks he's got real hair. And yeah, and uh, you know what I mean? So, like, whenever the callers would call and I was like, I hope they don't say something about it. And one time somebody was like, hey, Bill, what about your toupee? And then I just I saw him wince and I felt kind of bad for him because it was like. Uh, you know, don't burst his bubble. He thinks everyone is being tricked. Does every, does he really think people don't know? Yeah. There are very <laughs> few Willards who will take their hair out of their uh, attache case and, and put it on their head and then tip their hat to you. That's right. Tip their hair to you. <laughs> tip their hair. Top of, top of the hair to you. Um, yeah. So. Anyway, that that's Willard Scott and uh, oh, look who it is! Let me uh, why it's it's, it's George Takei of Star Trek fame. Oh, Howard, I have to say, I remember on the set of Star Trek, Shatner would steal toupees from all around the set. Even Tribbles would go missing, and suddenly Bill's <laughs> hair would be voluminous. <laughs> It just goes to show you what an inconsiderate heathen he is. No care for the cast or crew. His actions were demonstrably abhorrent. Do you think, George, that you will ever forgive William Shatner for treating you shabbily? I mean, Bill does say, quite frankly, he just doesn't really remember you all that well. Like, he thinks you were a minor problem, a minor player on the set. And so, you know... Is there any way you could forgive him for the terrible treatment? I, I could never forgive him. You know, if I if I thought long and hard, maybe I could. But the actions he took against uh, crew members on Star Trek alone, the series, I, I don't think I could ever forgive him for that. <laughs> you know, if a production assistant caught a glimpse of him without his hair on, they would be fired immediately. <laughs> Really? That's terrible. Yeah, wigs started going missing, and Shatner's hair was looking better and better. Hello? <laughs> you know, he cost the show about five grand. I say that if uh, Shatner wants my respect, he needs to donate that money to a uh, Stop Asian Hate Fund. Do you? Did you ever huh. see him... Have hair like Marge Simpson because he had so many toupees on his head. <laughs> like a couple of <laughs> tribbles on his head. <laughs> right. Well, like, yeah, you... I think he put uh, a couple tribbles up top because, you know, uh, <laughs> as the years go on, the tribbles <laughs> lose their uh, their veracity and their voluminous eyes. Yes, yes. All right. All right. Thank I you, George. I still that... think he's wearing an original tribble. If you look at his head, uh, it's got to be from the 60s. Oh, it's it's one of the men original. alone. 
He's, he's an older gentleman now. Leave him alone. All right. All right. I'll Thank go you. eat my oatmeal. Brad! <laughs> Tell Brad, make it dry. Okay. Uh, who else died? You want the rest of the list, or was did we spend yeah, too much time I mean, on Willard? Charlie Watts? Come on, you got to say something. Okay. I was going to mention Ed Asner, who I uh, I love that guy as yeah. an actor. Ed Asner. The he other did our night, show. I was watching um, Mary Me Tyler TV, Moore, and they oh. did a whole uh, William. I mean Ed Asner um, marathon. They had him, his episode of The Twilight Zone, his episodes on all kinds of different shows. Poor Robin has seen every TV show. She's now watching something called Me TV. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's something she invented in her head. I, I, I've never heard of it, but um, it's Robin your, and I. Your cable, too. You know, because forget about COVID. Robin's suffering the most because, of course, she's immunocompromised because of her, you know, cancer and everything else. So Robin is like completely in lockdown. You think, yeah, I mean, as soon like, as I start to get out, I have to go back in because yeah. a variant has uh, reared its ugly head. So when I call her, the TV is always on. It's blasting. <laughs> and I go, well, what are you doing all summer? She goes, look, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I can't see I'm, anybody. I'm watching TV. So then the next thing I know, it's like I'm on. Uh, it's like I'm uh, on the phone with Jean Shalit. She starts listing all the shows that she's watching and, t- and giving That's me reviews. You tell me about more shows <laughs> than I tell you. You stop it. <laughs> uh, just go with me on this. And uh, <laughs> But she has seen so many shows. It's unbelievable. That's why she's watching the Ed Asner Marathon well, on me. I was like, you're having an Ed Asner Marathon, and it's not Mary Tyler Moore or his show, mm-hmm. Lou Grant. It's him on other TV shows. And sometimes when I'm talking to Robin, she'll go, yeah, I was just watching me TV in the Ed Asner Marathon. I'm like, am I supposed to know about this? I mean, where is she learning of these things? I mean, it's it's quite rem- like she's become a ninja about television. It's unbelievable the amount of shows she's seen. <laughs> I mean, I think you watch more TV than John Hine and Gary put together. John and those Hine two. accuses me of that, and I say no. Although maybe I should figure out where this Me TV is. Look at the lineup: Adams Family, Into Happy Days, Into Mash, Andy it. Griffith, Homer <laughs> Pyle, Green Acres, Hogan's Heroes, Cal Burnett. Isn't that amazing? Like, I'd like to talk to the guy who owns the Me Network. Like, he got into TV because his dream was to rerun people's work. <laughs> like, like, well, how about something what? original? I was looking at the lineup the other day and I said, I got to ask Howard about this because there was, you know, Gomer Pyle and this one and that one. And then there were two back to back Andy Griffiths. And I said, do they need two back to back Andy Griffiths? Well, that's why they call it me TV. It's literally this guy who owns it. It's his lineup of what shows he likes. And he felt he needed to see two. He likes Andy Griffiths that much. A little too much. (laughs) Oh, my God. Look at this. Saturday night, 8 p.m. on MeTV. Sven Gulli. Yes, I saw Sven Gulli. I was like, oh, my God, what a throwback. <laughs> Robin's like a junkie when I get on the phone. She goes, have you seen anything good on TV that I haven't seen? Can you just give me <laughs> a recommendation? Right. I need a new show. <laughs> yeah. Thank I you gave for her turning y- me on to Yellowstone. That yeah. was great. I go, Robin, go watch that. You won't be able to stop watching it. Yellowstone. <laughs> Kevin Costner. Very good. Amazing. Me TV airs the Waltons, Gunsmoke, Bonanza, the Rifleman, Wagon Train, Adam 12. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey, I'm young again. 
It's like I went in a time machine and I'm well, every watching. Well, once a- in a while, don't you want to sit with Granny and Jed and enjoy yourself? Because the Clampets are hysterical. I can't even believe we watched that. I'm looking yeah. at it and I'm like, this is terrible. Uh, so Ed Asner died. And, uh, you know, look, anybody from our, you know, our generation certainly knows him. But for you youngsters out there, Lou Grant was one of his shows. It was a character that you know, I'm not going to go through his whole resume, but he was really good. Great. Here he, is doing, here he is with Mary Tyler Moore, like in a famous scene. Are you going to pervert justice on this radio show where I, where I oh, respect? Uh, no, that's that's Ed Asner doing a scene with me. I'm getting to that. This is him with Mary Tyler Moore. Are you telling me that that you're breaking up with Charlene because she's known some other men? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Well, I just, I can't believe that that you could be that petty and that narrow-minded and shallow. Sure I can. (laughs) How many men is a woman allowed to have before she becomes that sort of woman? Six. Funny man. Uh, yeah. And then Lou Grant was a drama. It was a very serious show. He had such a range as an actor. I think he was one of the only actors that ever got a uh, an Emmy for like a for serious work and then like comedy. You know, both. Hmm. Something like that. Um, so here's a here's a weird thing. Like Ed Asner was also super liberal, and he called us on the air a couple of times. But one time in 1997, a whole bunch of years ago, there was a guy on death row and um the guy had killed someone he was in jail for killing someone when he was 17 during a robbery or something Uh but ed asner and a whole bunch of celebrities thought he was innocent of the murder and he shouldn't be executed and uh, ed was also against the death penalty and so for some reason i i guess we had done it in the news and i said ed oh this guy should fucking be executed he killed somebody and then ed got all upset and called in we started debating and i was like oh shit I'm, I'm I'm in it with my head here. I don't even know. I just know if a guy yeah. killed someone, you deserve to die. What are you die. doing in a debate with Ed Asner? Yeah, it was weird. I was like, hey, this is the guy. This is the guy who uh, was on Mary Tyler Moore, and I'm debating him about the, the life and death of this <laughs> gentleman in jail. I used to watch him every <laughs> Friday night. Yeah, now I'm debating him on the death penalty. <laughs> it was pretty cool, though, you know, but here, but here it is. Are you going to pervert justice on this radio show where I, where I respect your intelligence by saying, because we think due to media hype that he's done all these things, that he should, he's not worth it, therefore should die? I'm I, saying that if he well, was, that, he, you know, there, he was, there really con- is no discussion. No, no, but there, but if you were of that mind having been educated and raised in America. Yes. If you were of that lynch mob mind, then there is no discussion. But I don't think it is a lynch mob. I think the guy was found guilty of murder. He I, confessed. He he's confessed, confessed to and, shooting people. He confessed and was charged with 10 crimes. Right. There was one, uh, there was one, uh, uh, shooting involved in that. And the victim himself, when first, when, uh, when it first occurred, stated that the gun had this charged accidentally yeah you know it was weird because i love ed asner and yeah i didn't really want to get too deeply into it but uh as someone who's been around firearms and i know something about them guns do not go off accidentally really that you have to pull the trigger there's just no way you you could take a a gun and throw it across the room have a heart i certainly you know well look i don't want to get into it but the if the guy was convicted of killing somebody, I, I was like, dude, why are you fighting so hard for this guy? 
And especially if he did a whole bunch of robberies, I'm like, well, maybe that's good enough to keep him in jail and maybe even give him the death penalty. What's he doing with his life? So anyway, Ed was upset about it, but it was weird because uh, I love the guy and respect him so much. And I think he thought I was, you know, he was, he was respectful though. He was like, Hey, we have a different oh, point no, of view. He was, he didn't get into name calling or anything. He really argued the merits of his case. He, he sort of thought he was like a, a newspaper editor or something. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> he, he all of a sudden took on the role. Yeah. Like when Tarzan died and was buried in a loincloth. <laughs> But anyway, rest in peace, Ed Asner. Now, another guy Loved died. Loved Ed Asner. As long as we're obituarying, if there's such a word. Uh, this guy died, and I, I, wanna, I really want to point out how influential he was in my life. You all know Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. He's alive. But his father, Robert Downey Sr., died while we were on vacation. And um, I got to tell you, Robert Downey Sr., was a film director, but he made these really weird movies. He made a movie called Putney Swope, which was kind of out there. But the movie that that just blew my mind was this movie called Greaser's Palace. And, oh, really? Um, yeah. I was about, uh, shit, I must have been like 17. And I discovered like the greatest place on earth for a young Howard Stern. I had like gotten my license. So I, maybe I was eight. I don't even know if I had my license. Maybe I used to walk there, but... It was this weird movie theater called the Uniondale Mini Cinema. And, uh, they had weird movies. You know, you know, it was like, not like they'd show pink flamingos there, that John Waters right, movie where the, right. where that, These were that the art where, films. Yes. Yeah. And I remember that was like the first film I saw there was pink flamingos. And I remember the, the, the whole trick was you'd go at midnight. It was a midnight movie experience with other burnouts who didn't have many friends. So it was a room full of people <laughs> like me. And you would smoke weed, and everyone like me had weed that was barely weed, but you'd smoke a lot of it and get really wasted and go watch these weird movies that were meant to weird you out. And I remember, like, I went and I saw Pink Flamingos and this big fat, uh, I don't know if he was a transvestite or what, Divine, yeah. was at the end of the movie starts eating shit, uh, like duty. And I was like, whoa. And I remember I was high and I was like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. Well, I said, I got to go back. So I did the whole thing. I smoked the weed and I go there by myself. I think I was by myself. How pathetic. Who are you taking like with you? <laughs> uh, just me, me and my bag. But I'm just my... Saying, if you could imagine being with somebody, who would that be? Oh, like some, anyone with a vagina, you know, <laughs> like a girl. <laughs> Although, you know, anyone. But in high school, especially my senior year, I, didn't, you know, I had some friends, but they were loserish too. Except for my friend, Dr. Lou, he wasn't a loser, but he lived in another town, so I couldn't get a hold of him. And my other friends were real losers. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no cool kids wanted to be friends with me. So I went over to the Uniondale Mini Cinema, bought my ticket, and, they, you know, it's midnight. It's pathetic, you know, and, and I'm, and I've smoked a bunch of weed and I'm sitting there and this movie comes on Greaser's Palace by Robert Downey Sr. And, uh, holy mackerel. It's this fucking weird looking dude who is Jesus. And he's got all these weird followers that look like they're in a carnival and they're all like following this Jesus guy. And he's, and I don't know what's going on. I'm so high. It's like one of those experiences <laughs> where I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm seeing. 
But this is like, this is the great, I think this is either great or terrible. I don't know what it is, yeah, but I'm mesmerized. The film or the worst one, yes. I didn't know what was going on. I was so freaked out by it that I was like, I, I don't even think I'm going back to the Uniondale Mini Cinema. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Something's wrong with that place. Well, everything was wrong with that place. First of all, <laughs> who goes to the movies at midnight? I'm in high school. I should be studying, shouldn't I? Yeah, Somewhere. the midnight movie hadn't even been invented yet, and they were doing it. Yeah, and, and, and my parents didn't even care that I was at a midnight movie. Like, my parents didn't give me a curfew. They're like, good, go get yourself fucking killed. What do we care? Oh, my goodness. At midnight, yeah. sitting in the dark midnight. with a bunch of strangers. High as a kite. <laughs> I was such a loser. Nobody even kidnapped me. <laughs> You know what I mean? I, or, or, or try to even make me, or, or even try to sell me Amway. Quite yeah, frankly. nothing ever nothing. happened to you. I should have got midnight yeah. movie. No, nobody paid attention. Someone should have been like, Psst, <laughs> you, you, you want to know the plan? You want to know the plan? Come to a meeting. Nothing. <laughs> Not even a Scientologist in sight should take your, me over. Your picture should be on a milk carton and nothing happened. I think there was a group of Scientologists at the Union Dale Mini Center, but they looked at me and they go, well, maybe not him. <laughs> But um, anyway, Robert Downey Sr. made this movie that just blew my mind. And I, and the movie has always been with me. Like, it's never left my consciousness. I still remember it. And and I remember the lead guy. I don't know his name. But uh, Robert Downey Sr., man, that guy, that guy had something going on. So rest in peace to him and condolences to Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Because he's friends with us. The other guy who died who I loved, who I think maybe... I got to ask Steve and Marty about this. When Marty, they, when he's they, really getting used to saying Marty. Yeah. I don't want to say Mart because then it sounds like Steve Mart. But anyway, I want to ask them about uh, Jackie Mason and what they thought of him because I thought Jackie Mason, he died uh, while we were on vacation. He was 93. That's another one of those guys I thought was dead already. I didn't even know. He, now, he got to be 93. I'm upset for Willard. <laughs> right. Well, you're also upset closer to 100. They're also upset for anybody who watches their their what they eat, because he was pretty heavy and looked pretty unhealthy. Jackie Mason. And, um, but, but what a brilliant but he was comedian. another one of those guys who also committed to the wig fully. Did he wear a wig? Yes. Gee, he fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, Jack, yeah, everyone knows this story. I'm not going to go through it, but his name, his name, I'll go through it a little bit. His name was Yaakov Moshe Hakanin Maza, like a real, he was super Jewish. And the he whole thing with him. He would have rather been Sirhan Sirhan with that. Name. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now for your, for your pleasure, here's Yaakov Moshe Hakanin Maza. <laughs> ha- Hakohan Maza. He came from a family of rabbis. He was super Jewy, and everyone told him you're too Jewy to be accepted into the mainstream. And for years, his career was kind of like affected by that. Blah 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 blah. Meanwhile, the guy was probably, in my mind, right up there with like you know Robert Klein, Steve Martin. You know, and any of those guys. I used to go to see Jackie Mason every year. Yeah, you know, because he He was that good. Longest time, he was really good. Do you remember that Jackie Mason was in The Jerk? So we definitely have to ask Steve about him. He was? Yeah. I didn't remember that, no. Benji used to run into Jackie Mason all the time. He used to tell me, um, he'd, seemed, he'd just see him on the, out on the street in New York City. He wasn't like on a star trip. And uh, 
He'd be running around late at night, and, and, and Jackie would come up to Benji and always ask him if he was one of those homosexuals. He'd always ask him. <laughs> Just like that one of those homosexuals? <laughs> Are you one of those homosexuals? Excuse me. Maybe he was looking to get it on with Benji. Who knows? But, but he did uh, a lot of walking. I used to see him walking around Miami, and he walked around on. New York. He just yeah. walked around. He actually walked from New York to Miami. That's what he do <laughs> nightly. Come up with his best jokes. He was a really funny guy. We had him on the show a couple of times. I was happy for him. He, for a while, he got really hot. He was having yeah. his own show on Broadway, and people started to appreciate him. And I asked him about uh, God because he came from a family of rabbis and rejected sort of that life. Everybody, <laughs> when they look at me, start looking for what's wrong. How does he oh, manage? I know what this is. This is him on aging before we get to God. This is Jackie Mason on aging. Okay. Everybody, when they look at me, start looking for what's wrong. How does he manage to look like he's still living? It must be, and this can't be his real hair. This is not his real nose. I remember his nose. It used to be over here, and he moved the shoulder over there. This Are you is not, really 75 years old? Is I'm that not true? 75 years You're old. Not? I know you enjoy thinking I'm 75 years old. Are you 70? You feel young. How old are you? I'll be 71 on Thursday. Oh. Wow, you look terrific. Compared to you or compared to a normal person? Compared to me, I'm talking about. (laughs) You are, you are, we were just saying, maybe the best stand-up comedy guy in the world. I resent resent that remark to say maybe. What what do you mean maybe? I I can't think of anyone better. Who is, because there is is no such, nobody is close. They're all in the wrong business compared to me. They have no right to even be in show business compared to me. They convince themselves they're comedians. When you watch them compared to me, they should be firemen, policemen. They should be, they should be driving a truck. What are they bothering Jewish people with that? crap that they're comedians he was kind of right most people cannot even come close to what that guy was on stage yeah uh, this is the one this is him on uh on dying and uh and god god yeah you don't go to temple? I go to a temple uh, periodically because I, I'm i not uh, a fanatic. Just in case. I'm not violently religious, <laughs> but I, I believe that it's possible. And in case it's uh, it's possible, why should I be left out? Do you find so me? I say, so I, so I, when you reach this age, you don't want to take too many chances. When I was 21, I said, that's ah, a lot of crap to me. But, but at the age of 70, you say, who knows? Maybe I, was, I don't know. I'm walking very slow now. I'm <laughs> As you get older, you start to say, start to maybe get nervous, right. just in case he exists. Do you worry kid, about that for real? I mean, you're the funny guy. I'll tell you, I'll tell you very honestly. I never even think of it. You know, I, I'm very, very philosophical about it. And I say to myself, I'm not that important. Nobody's that important. You come and you go and that's life and you can't do nothing about it. There you go. Wow. I like to think I'm that important. But what can you do? I know. You have that thing that life shouldn't go on without you. Yeah, I want. Well, and it looks like it won't. Like, I think I time. I think I time this all Correctly, I think you're all going with me. The way the world's you going. You think that the earth is going to just spit us all off? Uh, yep. I think that the environment is so bad that, you know, now we're starting to see that the, the, the earth is going to treat us as a virus and get rid of us. Um, and I think, you know, kind of the trajectory will be I'll go peacefully and then the rest of you will go violently. Yeah, you know, right I now after think me. of people as they uh, die or have died earlier, what they didn't get to experience. Me you too. Know, like somebody died and they never knew about 9-11. Yeah, or like, like Robin for Williams. For them, America was always this place that was safe. Yeah, like Robin Williams doesn't know anything about COVID. You know, he didn't yeah. experience the pandemic. I, I do that all the time too. Yeah. So anyway, Jackie Mason is gone and, you know, he was great. He started out like as a Catskills uh, MC, you know, comedian and 
he'd tell jokes and host trivia nights up in the Borscht Belt and eventually moved to New York City. And um, Steve Allen, the Steve Allen show, he uh, he gave Jackie Mason a big break. But anyway, there you go. You want me to keep going with dead people? There's a couple more I could name while uh, we were gone. Just a couple more. I don't know that we can do this all day. Well, we can't because we got to stop in a few minutes to interview Steve and Marty. Right. Right. But, uh, although I got a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I but gotta, do you want to do it short or do you, you know, we might as well do a few more dead people. All right. Well, tell me if you want to know about any of these people. Okay. Uh, in in the radio world, Fez, Fez Watley died. I can tell you about him and who he was. I can tell you about Dave Lampert. Do you remember Dave? He that died. name sounds familiar. What's Who's Dave Lampert? The inventor of the Sibian died. I can tell you about him. <gasps> oh, tell you about his God. Whole, well, was a big now part of our show. Now, somebody who really touched us. <laughs> Biz Marquis died. I could tell you a little bit about oh, him. Oh, that's right. For those of you who don't know Biz. Wasn't he at our summit? Maybe he was. I don't think you know, so. he's. He no, wasn't? Oh. I thought he was one of the people who came. You got what I need. Robin thinks all black people look alike. Stop it. How could you say Bismarck Key was at the summit? I this just, is Biz. When I saw him, I said, wasn't he at the summit? No. Maybe it was another time. That was a different black person. <laughs> there were several black people. Yes. And, and you seem confused about who was at the summit. <laughs> you didn't know. Either. I didn't even remember we had a summit. <laughs> a summit. <laughs> Don't you remember when we were trying to put down the East Coast, West Coast view? Yeah. Yeah, that worked out well. <laughs> uh, I don't remember yesterday's show. Never mind the summit. <laughs> summit. Anyway, that's Biz. And then uh, who else died? Wait, I'll, I'll give you, see if anybody you want me to dive into any of these people but uh oh come on all right i gotta say a few words about dusty hill from zz top stop it okay. Dusty died. did dusty you know he died? died i missed that one we've had him on the show a couple of times now, I he, know. we had him not at the summit but we had him on the show <laughs> it was no summit but he was here <laughs> dusty did nothing to prevent the east coast west coast war <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah Dusty Hill. I love ZZ Top so much. How yeah, old was he, Robin? Such a great... Oh, he had to be 72. Well, very nice. 72, right on the nose. And uh, was in the, the original ZZ Top for 51, 51 years. Amazing. You know these boys. They are talented. Where the hell is... Hmm. Oh, here we go. Hell yeah! That's from our show. LaGrange. Well, Dusty is a great bass player. It's just three guys. And, you know. Yeah, making that sound. Uh, Dusty sang lead on Tush. Uh, you know, everyone knows Tush. Looking for some dust. So does ZZ Top keep touring now? 
Oh my God. Show business is so cold. I don't think those guys missed three days. Uh, they already got a new guy. They got a new guy replacing Dusty. And I mean, they were there like, Hey, our brother already ready to step in. Yeah. They claim it was a Dusty approved guy that Dusty knew he was ill and, uh, you know, uh, but, so, you know, but she, I would like to think if one of us went, we, we take a few days off, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a couple of weeks. Ah, I mean, I was like, cause I was reading, and I was like, there's some bands like, like Led Zeppelin was like, John Bonzo Bonham is dead. We're done. It's over. We're done. You know, and I was like at the time, go, the drummer died and you're going to be done. Okay. I can understand if Robert Plant died or Jimmy Page, but, but all right. I, I respect well, it. Apparently Robert Plant wasn't going to get stuck with Jimmy Page by himself. Right. <laughs> well, I think that like Dusty, I, I just thought those guys would be a little more broken up. Maybe. Yeah. Cause it was, he was original. Like he was there yeah. at the very beginning. And there's only three guys in the whole band. Right. This might seem a little cold. They held auditions at the funeral. Uh, <laughs> they had no time to spare. The new bass player was found at the funeral. A lot of people don't know this. I have a new Fred ready waiting in the wings in case anything <laughs> happens to him. I've been training him for years. <laughs> we won't miss a beat. I mean, like Fred died or you died or I died. I like, like to think before we get back out of here. We Yeah, take a take a break. Might need to Please, like regroup. a little break anyway. Yeah, I think I think they already did a tribute concert. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were on the Remember Dusty Tour already. And uh, th th no bullshit. The new bass player has a super long beard. Which he they already claim, grew the beard. That you can't do overnight. But it seems so weird. But they, but they're claiming that he just grew a beard during COVID. And for real, I'm not making a joke. I mean, and you know, I'm not <laughs> buying like, it, <laughs> dude. Let your hair, let your beard grow. I don't think he should have a beard. Uh, the new bass player. Uh, I, I, and these guys know I love that band, and I'm just oh, saying. Yeah. Maybe maybe leave off the beard. But anyway, they're they're out there. They're still doing their just, thing. And, uh, you know, people, people just, you have to realize this is how it is. It's Life like Jackie Mason said. without you. That you're not that important. Who cares that you're the original <laughs> bass player? And you know the Stones ain't stopping for Charlie Watts. Oh. They're not. Meanwhile, you know, no. it's funny, Charlie. I was like, Charlie missed the last tour. Darn it. <laughs> Charlie's one of those guys you thought was dead for a long time. Cause he looked like he was dead while he was playing the drums. He, you know, he didn't look alive while no. he was in the band. Yeah. His whole affect was like Mick was dancing around, jumping up and down in tights and belly shirt. Running and, around the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie just would just barely move his hands, but Charlie uh, was hardly keeping a beat. I was like, how do they do that with him? Uh, I I love Charlie Watts though he he was great, yeah he was great you know he a great, great drummer. There you go. He wasn't he wasn't filled with frills. He was a no frills kind of guy, but he no, kept he the beat. Kept and, it going, yeah. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. Charlie Watts was uh, the dude who. Um, he was a successful musician before the Rolling Stones, and they had to pay him a bunch of money to get him to join the band because he was actually in in a successful band of some sort, jazz band or something. Yeah, he was a jazz musician and was making dough, I guess, as a musician. He didn't need to, but, you know, and he didn't even seem all that 
broken up or, 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 you know, impressed about being a Rolling Stone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He played it real cool. So cool. You, you barely moved. <laughs> the only story, the only wild story I ever heard about Charlie Watts was that, um, he, he once punched Mick Jagger in the face because they were at a hotel and Mick Jagger was drunk or high or something. And he called up Charlie Watts and he goes, where's my drummer? And Charlie Watts hung up the phone, went over to Mick's room, opened the door. And when Mick opened the door, he punched him in the face and said, you're my singer. Don't call <laughs> me your drummer. And I always thought that was a bullshit story. But um, Ed Bradley had him on 60 Minutes and Charlie did tell the story. I read one story, wow. true or not, that that Mick had referred to you as the drummer in the band and you knocked on his door and in no, no, certain uh, terms. No, he, he used to, to annoy me. He referred to him as me as his drummer. And at one time, he used to annoy me because I always thought he was my singer. In a way, that's right. Yeah, they're both right, aren't they? That's what I mean. <laughs> so it was just something that annoyed me at the time. Uh, the, the business side is quite an honor, really, if you think about it. For anyone to say, this is my something. But it pissed me off. Mm. <laughs> and you let him know it. Yeah. He didn't have a way with his story, I'll tell you that. But, no, uh, he was not a great interview. No. Maybe he was. Maybe, you know. Maybe, maybe Bradley didn't do a good job. I don't right. know. Ed Bradley. Ed Sadly, Bradley, you know. Yeah, but he was Bradley. Ultimately, in the uh, in the unfair department, you know Keith Richards is going to outlive all those guys. After yeah, he'll be himself. at every funeral. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, ZZ Top waited for Dusty to die before they went out and started working on the... the the Stones actually announced, uh, hey, Charlie's ill. And yeah. uh, they, they they were just like, um, hey, he's due to poor health. He can't come out. We already got a new drummer. So a month before he died. He, I hope um, he didn't hear that. Maybe he didn't give a shit. Probably like, you know what those, you know, like, like Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top loves to play guitar and perform. Yeah. And Frank Beard, I suspect, is the same. So they're like, hey, fuck it. You know, we're going to. We're going to go out and we're going to honor Dusty and the Stones. Forget about it. Those guys love. I mean, I, I can't imagine in your 80s wanting to tour, but they want to and they're still good at it. Yeah, I watch I watch videos of them all the time. They're remarkably spry. I mean, Mick Jagger still kind of moves around like a young man. It's well, crazy. you know, I wonder what all this time off, if it's done anything. You hope so. I'm getting a little annoyed with myself. I, uh, <laughs> I, every day I feel like I'm decaying. These guys, they're out on the road, jumping around, dancing. Well, Mick actually had to, you know, they had to cancel the tour because Mick had to have surgery. Finally, something happened. Right. Well, the Stones are no Led Zeppelin. And, you know, John Bonham died. The Zeppelin was like, that's it. It's over. And the Stones are like, we'll be out next. Charlie's ill. We'll be out. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but you know, there's been a revolving door thing in the Rolling Stones for for yeah. quite some time. As long as you got Mick and Keith, we got a show. That's yeah. it. Let's be honest. All right, listen, I got to uh, take a break here. So I, there was a couple more guys with obituaries. I told you maybe in the coming weeks or something we'll get to some of them because uh, we like we like discussing people who died, but. Uh, I do have to move along right now. 
We do have an agenda, believe it or not, on our, let's call it a vacation. Well, hiatus. Not, my hiatus. <laughs> I was actually working the whole time. I preparing for our show back. Anyway, uh, very excited this morning because it's a rare opportunity when I get to speak to two comedy legends, two amigos out of the three amigos. It is weird that these guys became amigos in real life. I'm, of course, talking about Steve Martin and Martin Short. Hey, guys. Hello, Howard. Hey, Howard, how are you? Good. I'm, and I'm by turn, the way. I'm turning down the volume it's, a bit. It's actually nice to see our studio because we don't see it anymore. <laughs> we haven't seen our studio in two years, and yet Steve and... hey, hey Hey, Martin, can I call you Marty for purposes of this uh, interview? Because, I mean, I, I know... It, it, it wouldn't gel, I don't think. No, you don't think I can? <laughs> no, I think I'm you gonna, can. I'm going yeah. to throw... You know, exceptions. try it. Okay, try it and see how it goes. And yeah. just, you know, you, you've taken your morning pills. Not all of them. You should be calm. Yeah, I do it between eggs. By the way, hi, Robin. Hi, Robin. Hi, Steve. How are you? We're just great and always, always nice to see you. Always nice to be with you. And we love your portion of the show. Yes, most people As opposed to Howard's, you, yes. this is why you listen. <laughs> mm -hmm. There are people who only listen for Robin and tune me out, but, but uh, you know, by the you way, know, I should an mention... App. There's an app for that. There is. I should mention yeah. that the boys are actually sitting in our studio, which we haven't seen in like 18 months because of COVID, but yet... When are you guys, returning, Howard? Never. I mean, what? <laughs> how can... How do we get out of this pandemic? I don't understand how you guys are touring and making shows and... <laughs> How are here's, you functioning? Here's what bothers me a bit. We are your COVID test in the studio. <laughs> well, if those guys get it, we know not to come back. Yeah. So they right. say, you here, sit in here in this enclosed room with 900 people looking at you. Are you guys not petrified? I mean, uh, I'm of a certain age where I am petrified of this thing, even though I'm vaccinated. I mean, how did you get the Hulu show done? By the way, I should mention... These guys put together a show for Hulu during the pandemic, and um, and and it is the most watched thing ever on Hulu. Did you guys know that that it is actually the most watched comedy the metrics? show? Comedy most show. watched yeah. comedy oh. show, I think. Okay, that's, yeah. what I th that's what I've heard. But I yeah, but that's you don't have to include but, that. Yeah, we don't have to say that. Yeah, the most watched show, not just Hulu, but possibly in the world. In the world, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, yes, I'm very paranoid about COVID. And I wear a mask everywhere I go. Right. And I'm vaccinated. And the way we do these shows, for example, when we did Only Murders in the Building, there is a really well thought out protocol. Like we are, the actors have to be maskless. So there's a, a circle around us that is tested three times a week and double masked. And mm. then there's another circle around them that gets once, you know, uh, tested and and we never had an outbreak within the we had some people get sick but not from the crew or the show and it's i, I have feel for the crew they're standing there with two masks on no it was amazing in fact the director particularly they were not even allowed if she was back in front of her monitor looking at a shot she could not take obviously her mask off or her shield so so one of our directors had a, a special helmet made with glass so she could at least see what she But also she had to wear a microphone. Yeah. So we could hear what she's saying. She'd have to come up and she'd turn off her mic. Do for Howard hmm. your impersonation of being Oh, of being uh, yes, here's here's like being being directed on a covid set. Where we finish take 1, here comes the director. Director, 
<laughs> oh my god or then it's if you so... missed a line and the script assistant would scream off from the monitor <laughs> oh thank you that helps that helps now the reason i want to call martin marty it's very weird to say steve martin and martin short it's like there's too much martins so He's that's fine why with it He's, oh, yes. he calls him, Howard, you have called me Marty in your day, have you not? I think I have. I don't know. I, I you mean, know, it, it, and that's why it, he barely, he never came it back until me, now. But I still <laughs> did it. I want to be respectful. You know, I respect uh, you guys so much. I, I truly uh, do. Uh, uh, Steve and I have. You, there's obviously you. You respect one. Everyone has a little more than the other. Who do you respect more, Steve? Or Marty. And I know the answer, and it hurts. <laughs> well, don't say that, because it is a very difficult thing. You know, it's funny. With people in show business, you do have a, you know, you, you do have your favorites. With you two guys, it is very difficult. Even when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about, there is so much that it is mind-blowing. Because, like, 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 for example, when I think of you, Marty... This character, <gasps> the, the cat, Steve, we'll get to you. Stop it. No, no, you called him Marty. I was stunned and shocked. And I saw his baseball. No, that's just First my of all, <laughs> all right, say, Steve, you're aging that's on aging. screen. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. But, but they, they, there's so many things to ask you about because the, the, the two of you have accomplished so much in your careers that it really does blow my mind. And the fact that you guys were on Three Amigos together, and that's where you met, and now you are actual Amigos, really is quite a beautiful show business story because so many people in show business are filled with jealousy. You guys really love each other. I mean, I get that. It's a bromance. You go on tour together. I'd call it like. I'd call it like each other. I'd call, I'd call, it, call it love, love Steve. Frightened. Love. <laughs> it is love. Isn't it, though, Steve? How many? What, think about when you were a young comic starting. If I said to you, one day you will get comfortable enough that you will share a stage with another comedian and even do these quips back and forth with one another and put downs and make movies together. You would have said, no, I'm a solo guy, which is true. But but look at the I romance. never thought I would be working with a partner. I never thought right. that. And never part of my although I had a fantasy about a, a comedy team. I, it's did? really funny. I'd say the only time I really love Marty is when I'm sort of cradling him and giving him a bottle. That's when I see. That's, <laughs> that's when I that's feel when it, That's yeah. when you feel maternal. But you know, Marty. Here's the thing. For, first, you say you've done so much. You've done so much. And I get that question a lot. No, no. But, by the way, you have. I have. <laughs> he was talking to me about that. Oh, sorry. Then <laughs> yeah, he jumped actually. in. I thought he was. Doing I something. thought he was looking at me. <laughs> no, ah. he was. He what he meant was, Marty. You've done so many different things. Uh, no, <laughs> I say, Marty and Steve. He, you have. There's a similarity. To it all, <laughs> yeah. You have. I tell you, this guy, he can, he can do it all. He can make funny faces, right? He can. Well, that's that's it. That's pretty much. That's a lot. That's a lot. It is a lot. What was the line you said, Steve? The great thing about traveling with Marty is, is that he fits in the overhead luggage uh, compartment. <laughs> Where did this? I'll tell you about Marty, and I know I want Marty to speak. I really do, but not right now. <laughs> I here's what it's like traveling with Marty. Now, a lot of time when we're doing shows, our 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 dressing rooms will be side by side, and I'll be in my dressing room, like you know, whatever, practicing the banjo, going over the thing, and Marty is in his room, and and I'll hear him whistling. 
<laughs> really? What's so wrong with that? I know. It's just funny, the idea. You're whistling a happy tune. I mean, who whistles alone? Marty, shouldn't you be... <laughs> Marty, shouldn't you be preparing though? Steve, I think is is actually bitching here a bit about you that he is, no, he is he preparing. He's preparing yeah, he for prepares. the performance. Well, I, and you're whistling. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> no. no, no, no. This this um, thing that you guys do, which I've seen you do on talk shows magnificently, where you you know you subtly put each other down. It, it almost happened from the beginning of your meeting. Now, now I want to have confirmation on this. The story goes when when Marty went to Steve's house to look at the script for Three Amigos. Marty, you walked in and you looked at Steve's paintings and his beautiful home and you said, gee, I never realized you were this rich. Because I've seen your work. <laughs> and it was an immediate like that is that true that you started putting is, down steve it is immediately true. absolutely true and because I, truthfully i was a may i was looking at all this and we had never met and you immediately laughed i, remember. I immediately laughed and then when we were doing by but i still didn't uh uh you know get to see him a lot and then on the set i was remember walking to the set the first day <laughs> and I'm, I'm walking with chevy and we're dressed up like amigos <laughs> <laughs> and from behind me yeah yep. i heard marty as Catherine hepburn <laughs> and what was the exact line i wish i'd brought my bicycle <laughs> and it's such a it was such an off-the-wall line, yeah. and I thought, and then there's a story, well, I don't even go into that because we've told that a million times. No, but but, the, I, but do, the point, I, I do think the that point in any is, no. No, listen, Marty, the point is, you walk into Steve, and Steve, you know, is a big movie star at that point, you know, not a movie star, but, you know, a big star, and uh, you walk in, and it's your first movie, and you think to put him down, and Steve could have been horribly offended, and yet this worked into something. And 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 was that a line that you prepared? I'm going to go into Steve's house, and I have, I'm going to win him over with humor, or did it just come out of you spontaneously? You know, I, I think it was spontaneous, but I think the reality is, I was so I had never met Steve, but I was, you know, it was 1985, so I was massively aware of his career for the last 12 years or something. So you instinctively know. Um, if someone's going to be uptight or laugh or, you know. But it wasn't, by the way, in the beginning, it, was, it wasn't like constant put-downs no. or little things. This is something that I grew aware of. It was really Marty who initiated this kind of, but, but something I think all friends should have is the right to sort of joke around and make fun and the other person has the obligation not to be offended Unless, you know, of course, it hits too hard. <laughs> Does it, Steve, Steve or Marty, have you ever said to one another, look, you did something on stage the other night where we were, you know, mocking each other, putting each other down, but that one hurt. And, and can you back off? Never. No, never. 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 Yeah. No, because, it, you know, we don't we don't ad lib our show. We might right. ad lib. You know, I remember Lenny Bruce, uh, you know, in his heyday, he he was he was he did a routine on stage. And he was saying, look, people think I ad lib. He said, I ad lib tops two minutes in a show. Right. Right. You know, it did feel I was going to ask you guys about that. I don't mean to get into the whole history of comedy, but was it Lenny Bruce and Mort Saul that changed comedy forever for you? In other words, it was always Borscht Belt, sticky comedy 
and those guys came along, it, it, are those the guys that made you go, oh, 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 this is a whole different game now? This is this not is for about- me. Not for me. Um, and the same year, I think of another huge influence was Jonathan Winters, because Jonathan mm-hmm. Winters was doing mini sketches, playing different voices, doing characters. So he was doing what later we do on SCTV. And I would say Nichols and May. Nichols and May, right. definitely. You know, I, I, when you mention Lenny Bruce, everybody thinks he's political and angry. But in, in, in his early days, it was hilarious. It was movie bits. It was little anecdotes. It had nothing political or barely sexual in it. So and what happened to Lenny Bruce? In, in he the got arrested, that- and then he started fighting back. And so he got on stage, and he started, you know. Well, I don't think the heroin helped. <laughs> yeah, but 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 when Lenny Bruce would get on stage, and we all think of him as this angry guy who yelled out the f word, and you know, and then got in trouble for for sexual conversation, blah blah blah, all that stuff. You're saying he was a really capable comic. Did he get lazy in a sense? Did he did he stop? I think like, he got what? obsessed, hmm. obsessed with his uh, arrests and and the injustice. You know, imagine being on stage and being arrested. Steve, when you were doing these courses where you would teach people how to be funny, you, 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 I wanted to know, is that really possible? Could you take a guy and teach him how to be funny? In other words, is it a learned thing? Because I think it's in- both. I, I think it's definitely a learned thing because you can't be a comedian without having gone on stage and done stand-up. I mean, Marty does sketch. He, you, you've got to practice. I mean... So, but well, by the way, I think you get, no, but I think you get better. But I also think that there, you know, you can, and this is nothing against this is a brilliant actor, but you can make Willem Dafoe work as hard as you can on his stand-up, but it won't be <laughs> as what you'd hope. <laughs> well, you what you're think- talking about, uh, Howard, <laughs> is that masterclass thing I did, yeah. and it wasn't. It was if, if you look at that thing, it's really I did that to offload a lot of information because you kind of right. carry around these thoughts and so you, i was interviewed for three days you know to talk so right. it's all just gibberish until they organize it but the end result of that the whole purpose of it was to teach people how to edit after you got done teaching that i don't know if anybody took the class and 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 actually went on to some sort of fame i was really curious because i thought wow i'd want to sit at the feet of steve martin and learn about comedy and learn about how to write and improve my skills uh, but did, did anybody take the ball and run with it like did they i have no they... idea i, I, right. I don't know yeah. but you know it's, it's you listen to something like that for an hour and a half and what you get is maybe a phrase that you come away with that helps you like it can be as simple as don't give up you know right it's not the internal wisdom that you're suing it's just a little bit of encouragement and like oh here's what i went through and you'll probably go through that difficult period so don't get too low about it when i'm seeing you guys go around and promote a project like this one that you have on hulu right now and i we'll, we'll get to it but it, it seems like a pretty uh, intense schedule. You know, you're doing our show, you're doing Colbert. I see you're going to do The View. Um, you're going to do all these shows. Do you guys sit down and prepare for a talk show? Do you guys consciously say, we're going on Colbert. Let's do this hunk of our act. I mean, you guys now have a set act, right? I mean, you can you can sit down and do a, a bit of that act and, and, and go back and forth with one another. 
How does it work when you prepare for like Colbert or or or, or the View? Even I don't know. Is there a discussion ahead of time? This is what we're going to do. Well, I mean, I think that uh, I I have always personally overly prepared. You know, I right. send in like eighteen pages to Letterman or or any of them, and and it's not that I'm wanting to do eighteen pages, and it's not that I really want to do anything, um, but it gives me the confidence to go out there and say, I am prepared. I don't know what's going to happen. He may be off. I might may be off, but at least I gave it the college try. So there are sometimes, like even with Colbert last night, we planned a few things, but we never got to them. But and also, the, uh, last yeah. night we did Colbert, but Selena was on with us. So that's three people, and we know, look, yeah. we, we can't start doing routines and bits with a third right. person there. It's right. exclusive. So we just kind of Selena Gomez, and, by the way, Selena yeah. Gomez, who is in, in, in your uh, in your new show. And uh, murderers. We're gonna, uh, yes, only yeah. murders in the building, only murders in the building. Yeah. Only murders in the building. Yeah. But I, I guess what I'm getting at, I'm amazed. Marty, you would send Letterman 18 pages of jokes and ideas and things that you right. wanted to accomplish mm-hmm. on that talk show. That is a tremendous amount of work, particularly for a, for a gig where you don't get paid. I mean, that that would take a long time. And uh, and and the amount of thought that you put in and care, was it your goal to go out there and say, I am going to be the best damn talk show guest on the planet? And in fact, there was a magazine that said Martin Short, I think it was uh, New York Magazine or something. They named you the greatest talk show guest of all time. Were you aware of that? Um, uh, Sure. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing, you made me aware of it. (laughs) No, 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 listen. But I I think in general, Howard, it's the idea that you can never control the finished product. You can't, when you make a movie, um, you know, you could be working with a moron director. Thank you. No, no, but really, and you go, uh, this won't be any good. But what I can do is that I can give every version of the take Fast, slow, big, small, and I can weasel a couple of extra ones because everyone loves me. So I say, can I have a freedom take? Uh, should we let Marty have a freedom? And they give me. Then I go home and I think, this moron will pick the wrong take. But I'm going <laughs> to mm. toast myself with champagne because I did everything I could do. So it's but kind of also, the same approach with talking. You're talking about is it is you want to go out there and kill and be the best ho- yeah. guest ever. But I think it's the opposite. I mean, for me, I don't want to bomb. Right. So I'm well, yes, that's defend, really that's true. it's defensive, you know, to have material and work on it and talk, talk about it. Steve, yeah, when you I would just, go on Carson and do a routine like Flydini, where you're pulling yeah. stu- you're a magician and your act is you pull things out of your fly. Yeah. Do you did, did, it, it had, did you ever do that in a club anywhere beforehand or did you go on? I Carson? rehearsed that bit <laughs> so much because it is so. Uh, vulnerable, you know, one mistake and you're screwed on stage. I mean, you're whole, the whole act, you just have to walk off the stage. <clears throat> I, I did it in a rehearsal hall. I did it for some, um, you know, private charity things. And then mm. I thought the only way I'm going to get good at this is to book myself for two weeks in Atlantic City. And I opened for the Smothers Brothers and I did this seven minute act every night for for two weeks. And I told my agent, I said, look, we can't promote me 
because it's a cheat. I'm only going to do seven minutes. So you promote the Smothers Brothers and then maybe in tiny little letters or something. So as I'm driving to Atlantic City, I see a billboard, Steve <laughs> Martin. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no. But anyway, I did it every night. And then I kind of retired it. And then Carson was retiring himself. And he said, would you do Flydini? Because he was a magician and like that sort of thing. And I he said, loved yes, Flydini. Well, but together. you must have been so happy after that night show because that went perfectly. Wouldn't yeah, it went perfectly. And, uh, you know, I, I even thought for our show, maybe we could work it up and do it again. And I got out the old equipment. And it was like, you know, it's a it's an elaborate thing and nothing fit and yeah yeah you know uh and it's another also baggy thing, pants you know, in that in that era baggy pants and baggy suits if you remember david yeah, byrne yeah. it was a style so i could get away with the style of bag now it would look like you know i got blown up was that considered really risque for that time uh because you were pulling yeah, and i stuff never out got a negative uh thing about it at all and also the fun of it is walking the line yeah you know it, it, yeah, but it, that's it was a great bit. That's interesting, Howard, that whether if that was 1992 on Carson. Jeez, I, you, your memory, this guy's memory is unbelievable. I couldn't have said. It was May of 1992. Yeah, he's a rain man. But I wonder if you did that today with social media and the and people being, oh, my God, it's this fly. What, whether no, I don't think that. Don't think I think so? it's so mild. Yeah. But you know what it is, Steve? Like Steve, you were a magician. And yet you some of your best comedy is making fun of magicians. I've seen you on talk shows take um, a deck of cards and say, I'm going to do a trick now. And then, yeah. you know, you just have the, the queen of hearts walking around on the floor. Yeah. So it's well, that it's was a long uh, that was how I started as a magician. Yeah. So I, right. I didn't want to give that up because that worked out some funny. I, I did a bit on Letterman once where I, I did a card trick and then they were going to play it back in slow motion. <laughs> 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 and they zoomed into my hands and I was I was putting little miniature flags in the deck <laughs> to hold my place, you know, writing on things. Yeah. Do you do, do you keep limber with the magic at all? You don't you don't uh, No, no, my anymore. hands, you know, I could it's all I could do. You don't you do know, it for I, your daughter? I would think your daughter I would do be a few really... it's tricks for my daughter, but you know, they're not like uh sophisticated magic tricks. What I'm obsessed with is the two of you, the, the different reaction to Johnny Carson. Steve actually became friends with Johnny. Johnny respected Steve, blah, blah, blah. Marty, you were asked to do The Tonight Show. You turned it down a bunch of times because you were so intimidated by Johnny Carson. Like Johnny Carson. Yeah, you. well, it was a combination. Yeah, it was. Um, I was first asked to do it in 82. <laughs> I just don't want to hear this. Part. Yeah, OK. <laughs> you no, took no, up your um, headphones so you don't have to hear Marty. I, <laughs> I thought it was cared? hip just to, yeah. Right. No, it's look, almost look, like you've Steve. heard it before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I yeah. thought it was hip to do only Letterman. And then there was a rumor in 87 that Johnny was going to retire. Right. And I thought, okay, I'm a moron. I, it's because I'm afraid of it. Because I love him so much. And when I finally did it, he was so fantastic and so loose and so encouraging. It was like a dream. So I did it. In that four years remaining, I did it nine times. I love the, um, the the time you were on with Johnny that that first time, and I love that Betty Davis is sitting there, and she's real old <laughs> at that point, and 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 it's I can almost feel like you're dying to do a Betty Davis impression because she goes, "Do you do me?" And she shoots you a look like a condescending look, like. Well, I did her. I said I I went to her. I said, "Well, you're not that easy to do," and she said, "Well, <laughs> then skip it." 
I yeah, didn't know who I was. She thought that's the way I spoke. But Johnny got a kick out of you. I mean, Johnny, when you do Jerry, when you are doing Jerry Lewis for Johnny Carson, <laughs> there had to be such a joy in your heart because Johnny was loving it. I mean, you, you know, you, you and you did the two different Jerry's too, which is so great. Yeah. You know, the, the the whacked out Jerry who's over the top, and then the serious uh, Jerry who's trying to be, you know, sophisticated. With the lozenge. Yeah. With the imaginary <laughs> lozenge. When you guys do an I've, act I've together. Realized, I've realized that uh, the word ivermectin is a, is my phone ringing? Can't be. No. <laughs> Wait. No. It's, no, it's not. It's, something's it's, ringing. It's, anyway, it's, I've realized the word ivermectin is a Jerry Lewis word. Can you do, do you... ivermectin for it? Ivermectin. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys know Jerry Lewis at all? I mean, uh, I, I did. don't know. I knew him. You did. Yeah. Was he horrible or was he a nice guy? No, 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 no. I had to interview him. In um, they were releasing. Oh, right. Yeah, they were releasing oh, all the Martin Lewis shows on uh, for Disney on DVD. Oh, no, and, oh I thought. What about Aspen? Didn't you interview him and ask? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did. Is it you who interviewed him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did but you anyway. interview him as Jerry Lewis? No, no, no. But, but so, oh. so um, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who ran Disney back then, I knew him, and he said, I want you to interview Jerry, and we're going to leave the camera on for two hours, and we're going to cut it into the DVDs. But if he gets pompous, get him off that. I thought, Jesus. Right. Well, first of all, he might hate me, because I'd already done him on SCTV and, right. and SNL. But, and he was immediately... Funny, loose, and great. He was like, oh, a, yeah. And at one yeah. point, though, in the middle of it, he said, um, uh, he was talking about Charlie Chaplin. You know, when you're in a restaurant and Charlie Chaplin comes up to you and says, Your last three films are better than anything I ever did. And I'm thinking, What Katzenberg? And I said, uh, Was Una there, his wife? Was she in a stupor? You know, I tried to get it on comedy. <laughs> and then he would laugh. He would laugh yeah. at that. But he was really charming. He was really funny and loose with me. And I, uh, I, uh, I, 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 he did the Tonight Show, and he was, the, I was a guest, and he was the host. Oh yeah. And I've only asked three people for their autograph in my life. One was Jerry Lewis, and he said, "Would you mind?" And he signed it for me. And do you want to know who the other people were? Yes. No, I, don't, I don't. I don't want to tell you that. <laughs> no, I want to know. <laughs> no, it's not. That's not that great. It's Earl Scruggs, the world's greatest banjo player. And uh, Bobby Fischer. Oh, wow. What an eclectic species. I, I was at Benny Hanna's and Bobby Fischer. This is a year, 100 years ago. It's like early 70s. And he was sitting there. You know, you sat at a group table at Benny Hanna's. And I hear a guy talking about, and the lighting wasn't right, so I wouldn't play. <laughs> and I knew exactly who it was, Bobby Fischer, and I asked him for his autograph. I thought he'd be wow. I thought. I thought he'd be complaining about the Jews uh, at Benihana. Well, that, eventually. I don't think he was there yet. Yeah, I think, I he, think he was crazy. inferring that the Jews had done the lighting. <laughs> Do you play chess, Steve? I did as a kid, but I didn't get any level of skill. I know you play chess. Yeah, I don't know. If you get fairly good at it, you realize the genius of Bobby Fischer. It, unbelievable. It's unbelievable, his brain, the way he could it, it, the way he could strategize and move pieces and think in advance. It was it's 17 it's moves ahead. Jeez. Yeah, but what something crazy. Group of, of, that's an unusual threesome. And, you know, I'd host parties and the three of them would come. Wow. <laughs> it was a really dull party. The most eclectic time backstage in my life, I was doing the producers in eclectic? Los Angeles. Yeah, eclectic. Oh, okay, go ahead. I, I was going to say the eclectic group. Okay. That, you know, you go, but suddenly you have visitors backstage. 
and they'd be buried, you know. And then I looked out and I realized it was Kathy Lee Gifford, Bruce Jenner, and Siegfried. <laughs> I said, okay, this is the weirdest. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a show And I thought, what do you story? say yeah. to Siegfried? What do and I... did you ever say, you three just talk to each other and I'll be No, no, no. I, I kept thinking, what do I say to Siegfried? And invariably what happens, you just say, how's Roy? Yeah. yeah. Well, that, wouldn't that have been yeah. a great Jiminy Glick episode? Those three being interviewed by Jiminy Glick. Oh, I think fantastic. That, I mean, oh my God, I can imagine the fun you would have. Did people did, did did people ever get pissed off at you with Jiminy Glick? Did anybody actually ever? No, say, they they knew no. who he was and they knew what it was. You know, we would shoot it. I remember interviewing Alec Baldwin, and we would shoot it like we'd do a seven minute take, and then we'd break, and we'd do another eight minute take, and then we'd put it all together. For but didn't five minutes. somebody walk off? Yes, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> walked about off, that. by the way. Yeah. Who walked off? Well, we've discussed a lot. Tom Green didn't quite get it. Tom Green, you know, the comedian, didn't get it? Yes. Well, no, no. He thought I was attacking him. Right. And, and, uh, well, well. and I probably was. Yeah. But it, that was done. You know, what was tricky, I think, that Tom did not realize was that you had to go to the real mean edge. And then when you'd see it back, you'd say, oh, that's too mean. I don't now I hate Jiminy. So you wouldn't include that. But you had to go there in that direction. And I think he felt... Um, that I was just being mean. So he, he didn't walk off. He just said, I don't want it aired. Wow. Did you call him and like try to explain to him? I did. That? I sent him I sent him a letter of apology. Wow. I said, you were in my home. Why? And Between the two of you, you must be very busy writing apologies. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. No, no, no. I said, I, you were in my home. I have a full-time and, assistant writing apologies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said, you were in my home, and, and I made you feel badly, so that's my... Oh, that's bad, very as you nice say. Thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it really is. He's a, listen. He's a wildly talented man, and that's the only one. And I, I felt badly about it. Of course, you would. Yeah. These backstage stories to me are the best. Like Steve, you always tell the story about you met Elvis like backstage somewhere, and 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 he. I thought he said the weirdest thing to you about your comedy. Like what? What? Well, he no. You... It was he was absolutely dead on. He really was. I was opening for. Remember, it's nineteen seventy one. And I'm How opening old for are you? What? I'm 192. Wow. <laughs> and today's my birthday. And <laughs> happy birthday. Thank you. And uh it's actually not but just so yeah. I know. I got it. I was a backstage. I've told this story before so it feels like old news but Can I, I mouth it along? Yes, please. Yeah. Do. <laughs> Thank you. <can. laughs> so I'm I'm opening for Ann Margaret in Vegas at this yeah. place that doesn't exist anymore. Thank God the it's called the Hilton. And it was the most unfunny room, comedy room ever. And had a very high ceiling. So any laughs that the audience would, you know, give you, they would go up about six feet in the air and then just dissipate. Into Steve, space. is that for real? <laughs> Steve, <laughs> is that, that's a Steve, is that for real that there are rooms that are not fun? The room itself is not a funny room? You ever played a convention hall, a, a convention room in a hotel? Right. It's, you know, no, it's, there's no unity. There. The audiences are at round tables. It's just something we do. It's like fill in dates or something. And they're not I bad. See. The audience is not bad. It's that the right. circumstances don't, don't let them gel. But anyway, so I was uh, backstage. I just opened for Ann Margaret. I knew Elvis was coming. Uh, that night to see Ann Margaret because they were friends and he was, he was opening the next night or something. And, so I'm waiting backstage, and I leave my door room open so I can see Elvis. And by the way, my act was 
you know, magic, and I don't think I played the banjo in that, but jokes and weird stuff. And uh, so here I come, I see this vision. First I see, uh, is this, can you say this anymore? A beautiful woman walking toward me, and that's Priscilla, all right? Right. right. I didn't realize that. And then Priscilla, you know, uh, sort of moves away, and there's Elvis, all in white, and this is, he looked great, and he had the huge buckle, you know, <laughs> over the, you know, it's like, uh, Was it Chris Christie Elvis, or or Slim Elvis? It, it was, no, it was Slim Elvis, oh, oh. and he looked good, <laughs> and he looked 71. like Elvis, and, and he, he looked at me, I'm sorry, I should get on with this, shouldn't I? And he looked at me, and he, Oh, that's it! <laughs> and, he, and he pointed at me, and he said, Son, you have an oblique sense of humor. Oblique. And oblique, and which was kind of accurate. Mm -hmm. And then he came in. You can tell by the story. <laughs> <laughs> he came in, and we start talking. I think, what do I talk to Elvis about? And yeah. he said, and then he said, uh, want to see my guns? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he had three guns on him, and he was very safety conscious. <laughs> He had he brought out a derringer and he he held it up and he and he dropped uh, the bullets in his hand before he gave me the gun so I could examine you know it's all pearl handled and engraved and he pulled out another gun and he dropped the bullets oh in his God, hand what? and he handed me and now I'm eventually I'm holding uh, three guns <laughs> and Elvis is holding eighteen bullets. <laughs> wow. Oh my God! I mean that sounds like it could have been a disaster. Sweet. Oh, and then, and then I got a very big compliment because Elvis has a guy who his only job is to get him out of conversation. So the, the guy comes up to Elvis and says, Elvis, we have to go. And Elvis looked at him and said, it's okay. Oh, and then we kept oh. we kept talking. So I felt kind of blessed. In fact, that guy's name is Hamburger James, I believe, <laughs> uh, who was in charge of keeping uh, Elvis uh, moving along in the conversation. Yeah. Now, are you joking or serious? He's um, joking. I'm joking. joking, but I'm trying to sound serious. I know, but see, so, I've, lost, I've lost my sense of humor. This was the moment. So great. I'm so great that I was there and on the radio. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm no Tom Green, I'll tell you that. I got some yeah. sense of humor. But, but uh, you know, this, this act that you guys have evolved into could only happen between two great friends. I am, I am just tickled when you guys are on talk shows together and you start going back and forth with uh, one another and there, there these great lines about uh, Steve Ping. I forget what the hell was it that? Uh, do you remember it, Marty? You probably had so many lines. That... No, it's uh, the Hulu. Is that it? The ping. yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hulu shooting. Uh, oh, each episode is thirty. The Hulu show oh, is yeah, thirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the, it's it's it's. The show is like Steve at the urinal. It streams for 35 minutes. <laughs> I mean, these are fantastic. How much time do you guys spend thinking about each other and writing um, uh, horrible things about each other? How how does this well, how does it work from a technical standpoint? You know, we used to have a joke that, you know, we, we tried it on Tom Hanks and he said, oh, my God, that is so, so funny. And the joke was this. I, I've been open with it. I say I love working with Marty on stage. Because he understands the concept of 60-40. <laughs> now, Tom Hanks is like laughing. And we used it like three times and it just didn't play like we thought it would. But isn't the difference between the two of you 
that, Steve, if you don't get the big laugh from the audience and they don't understand 60-40 and they don't get it, uh, you will drop that. Marty, on the other hand, will enjoy uh, getting what they call like a pocket laugh, like a, a couple of uh, people will giggle. And that delights you, right, Marty? I mean, you will it, go. You I will mean, stick if, there, if there is a no, if I get uh, then the pocket I'm, laugh, then, then you're really happy. laughing. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. There's certain. There's certain. You obviously listen to the audience, and they tell you what you thought was so damn funny. But um, there are certain jokes that you just love and you keep in because you know that there's going to be a pocket of people. You know, ten people maybe in the audience who just think it's the greatest joke in the world, and it's worth it. Can you guys believe the incredible uh, success of Three Amigos now, as opposed to when it was released? That Absolutely. you know, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unreal. I love that movie so much, and in my mind, it's always like, oh, that movie made one hundred fifty million dollars at the box office, and blah 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 blah. But it really, you know, it was a modest uh, success, and yeah. and it's quite mind blowing. Well, you know, what happened was we <clears throat> released Three Amigos and, you know, I had my heart into it. I don't know what you had, but <clears throat> I was a writer, I whatever, and it's kind of my idea. And then it comes out and it does fine. <clears throat> it's right. fine. And I'd go see it in a theater and, I, you know, with the full audience, you want to see how it plays. You know, it played okay. Yeah. And then, like in uh, like 2010, I get a call. And it's Empire Magazine in England, which is a big uh, movie magazine. <clears throat> Sorry. And they said, uh, we want to put uh, you, Marty, and Chevy on the cover of our magazine. And I said, why? <laughs> and they said, well, it's the 25th anniversary of Three Amigos. And I said, so? And they explained that it was sort of this cult thing. Now or hit or, or you know, right. parents watch it with their kids, you know. I mean, I already had, always had a sense of it because I would, you know, do a lot of shows and be in a lot of airports. And you can always kind of tell when people come up to you what they're going to talk about. And if it you was can? like, yeah, if it's, you know. Um, if they're dressed like an amigo. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, if, it, if, it, if, if, it, if the guy is 28 and looks like he's been like kind of drugged for about eight years, they're going to talk about Clifford. <laughs> and if they, but it, but usually a forty-year-old guy would come up and he'd talk about three amigos. Yeah, but yeah, but, I, uh, I get things like saying, I, you know, I watched that with my dad. It was a bonding moment with my dad. Right. Yeah. Hey, Steve, I, I was taught, I was doing obituaries uh, this morning because we were on vacation, and then a bunch of people had died. And Jackie Mason was one of the names that came up. Jackie mm -hmm. Mason was in the Jerk, and I had forgotten that. W w did you hire him specifically? Were you a big yes. Jackie Mason fan? Well, Carl and I were. Carl Reiner and right. I were big Jackie Mason's fans, and you know he had the weirdest act and the, the weirdest things that would make you laugh. I'm talking to you, Mister. <laughs> you didn't get a laugh. You go, yeah. I'm talking to you, and it point to some guy in the audience. <laughs> but but and we really liked him, and he was on the outs, right at that time you know because you got in trouble or it's people wouldn't hire him or something ed and, Sully, he uh, flipped the bird supposedly to ed sullivan well supposedly that turned out to be not true and i think right. uh I, I read recently that ed sullivan had written him a apology letter yeah but wow. anyway and he was he was great and also you could sense that little bit of difficulty in him you know mm. not i can't even cite it but uh, it wasn't well thank you for this role <laughs> Right. In other words, he was like um, a little too full of himself or something. Is that what? Nope. Nope. I would not call it that at all. Uh, I would just call it that little bit of difficulty. 
but I can't I can't put my finger on it. You know, are, are guys like to. that in com- are there a lot of guys like that in comedy who are brilliant comedians, but they just fucking get in their own way. They don't know how you still have to have a certain uh, way of relating to people and uh, being sort of a human being with other people. Like maybe they just get in their own way. And that's why they never get to the next level. Steve, I, <laughs> I honestly have not experienced that. I find an incredible camaraderie among comedians, at least, because they all know what you each other went through. Right. But and I think, about- I think that that image of the the comedian that is really angry on the inside and all that is a slightly exaggerated notion because it's more for b- provocative than saying someone also lasts on the inside. I mean, but I've also seen a- actors have it. I would say more than comedians mm-hmm. because there's a, a neurotic element to acting. You know, you might want to, you might be insecure, and then uh, that's the, the the biggest egos I've ever seen are at their fundamental core. Who's insecure. the biggest jerk you've ever worked with? Hey, no, I don't know. <laughs> that's an interesting I, I, question. I wouldn't say that. You anyway, wouldn't say it you know, anyway. No. Why wouldn't you, though? You know, you know, I find all of this so fascinating. I was reading once, I don't know if it was true, that Robin Williams went almost insane when Jim Carrey's career took off. He felt so threatened that Jim Carrey was going to sort of take his lane in movies. And, and, and he was so envious of this guy's ability to go on talk shows and be great and this and that. He real. I don't know if it's true. I don't have confirmation. No, no. I, it was in the uh, biography of Robin Williams. That's where. Right. I did. I wasn't aware of that, but I read it in the biography of Robin Williams, and he said he was, you know, he felt that Jim Carrey was doing what he did. Right. And, and so he felt a rivalry. He said, "Now, why do they like him? You know, and but it's what I'm doing." He wasn't saying that Jim Carrey stole anything from him. No. Saying, but in fairness, that, could, that could, he could have felt that. But a biography, which is not an autobiography, could have exaggerated that notion to give it more. Well, it felt like a pretty solid really? biography. And in fact, an autobiography would have more uh, room for uh, yeah, bullshit information. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, like you read know, mine, and you read yours. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I actually thought you guys were very honest. And that's the. By the, the way, you the can honest. get you can get Marty's uh, biography on Amazon. I mean, you won't, but it, you can. <laughs> but it is there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I, what love was it? It? I love. I honestly love making Robin laugh. I hear that <laughs> laughter. Yeah, uh, I, I love the, the one that makes me laugh. Marty says. Uh, Marty, you say hanging out with Steve is like deliverance because it's all fun and games until the banjos come out. That, <laughs> yeah. that line is so great. I mean, the, the back and forth between you two, it really <laughs> tapped into something. You know, in a way, we could say that uh, it is, a, you know, here, the, here are two of the three amigos. Where is Chevy? And it was Chevy um, uh, a guy that for some reason you two are not still in touch with? No, not true at all. No, I, we we talked to him. We called. Yeah, Chevy. Look, the reality is Chevy moved to Bedford. So he and I live in Los Angeles. And I so, lived in Los Angeles. And I was not seeing Chevy like I had up until he moved to Bedford. And then, uh, but no, we contact all the time. Yeah. The movie you guys did together, um, Father of the Bride. Now, I can imagine with Three Amigos, Marty, because it was your first movie, you probably were upset that it wasn't a bigger hit. I'm sure at the time you're a young guy and you're like, uh, hey, I'm in a movie with Steve Martin and Chevy Chase. 
this is going to be the biggest thing in my career. It might have been right. hard for you, right? You might have like kind of been, oh shit, you know what happened? Uh, this That's was gonna... every movie with Marty. Yeah, <laughs> but no, the reality is, I think it must have been harder for Steve, who had had hits. You know, when you haven't made a movie, you're kind of you don't assume it's going to be the biggest movie ever. You just you hope it will be. And yes. when it doesn't work, you go, oh, that's like that other I, thing I did. My motto know? or my mantra, or at least the thing I've said, is that you don't know if a movie is any good at least for 10 years. Right. It, mm. Is that true? Like, in other words, it's got to stand the test of time. Yeah, it's like you find out. No, I, I only mean not the test of time, but whether it lives on, whether anybody ever mentions it to you. whether it Well, the jerk, the jerk certainly is yeah is that your greatest movie i can't even you know every the movies are so i don't know i have no idea i mean it's up to other people to judge that i don't i love roxanne i uh you know it's fun oh yeah great movie i mean and you know marty the thing with you i i i was asking this question earlier in the morning father the bride you two guys were great in that successful movie do you think you'd be allowed to play Frank? Frank to me is maybe one of the greatest characters I've ever seen in any film ever. Am I right, Steve? Frank, this Frank. What? It's hilarious. The, the 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 party planner. I I wonder now when you were hired, did you have that in mind, Marty? Like that? Did you have that a fully formed character? No. It, 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 well, how does that evolve? Way, in, in fairness. Yeah. To the screenwriters, Nancy Meyer and Charles yeah. Sire, it was written. The but, dialogue was written. You, you played played with the dialogue. We played with the dialogue because you couldn't. But what we, it, they were concerned, understandably, when we went in because it was this heightened character in a real situation, a real uh, story of a wedding. And they wanted me to be the character that, to symbolize that Steve was not part of this, that he left, so that Diane Keaton... And her and Kimberly Williams, the daughter, could understand Frank, but Steve couldn't. So it's that brilliant. I'd say things, and they go, and, "Yeah," and Steve would go, "What?" When Steve and doesn't then we had understand, keep... when Steve doesn't understand Frank, and the look Steve gives you, it is it is such great chemistry between the two. I mean, and that I'm giving character, him that look right now. <laughs> I know. How long does it take to develop that voice and the character? Could you break into it now, or would you have to really work up to it? Is it? Is, Hello, is pleasure to meet you. Look at how beautiful your hair looks. Very low cut, better on the woman, but nice on you. <laughs> Got a little Jiminy Glick in there. I know. By the way, by the way, I was put on the spot. No, but you know when we did that film, um, and Charles Shire, the director, and Nancy Myers, they we did many, many takes because they weren't sure how big it should be, how small it should be. So we kept, we did a lot of takes. And by day. the way, we do that even on our current, our only yeah. murders in the building. We do okay. Let's try one a little bigger. Let's try one a little smaller. I did that with Frank Oz on uh, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrel. I'll say. Thank you, Marty. I'd say, uh, okay, let's try one bigger. Let's try one smaller. And we and Frank came to me one day. He says, we always use the bigger take. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Because it, it does get expensive. At least, you know, when you used to shoot on film, it would get really expensive. If people would sit there and do multiple takes and, and uh, try different things, it just. Well, we do multiple it, takes and father by. But, you know, the reality is a character like Frank, in the real world, there are those characters. You go and pick up your laundry. And that guy could be a character on um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Well, what? Who is Frank? 
I mean, no, no, I hold on, but I'm saying that, that guy called. at the laundry could be like, you know, on SNL, a character, but he is existing in real life. But you're, you're, what I, what, what about Frank asking if you could do it today? What is he? I mean, he's not. A, I was referring to that Frank is a gay character, I believe. I mean, I would assume. Well, we know, never knew very, for sure. No, no. Oh, yes, we did. We never <laughs> talked about whether he was gay or not. Yeah. We just, just like didn't. Jiminy Glick. Oh, Jiminy uh, has, has married a wife. And Dixie yeah. and has four children, Morgan, Mason, Matthew, and Modine. <laughs> <laughs> I always assumed Jiminy was gay, and I assumed um, uh, certainly Frank was gay. No, J Jiminy would say repeatedly that he he loved a daily pop with his lady. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't buying it. But, but, but uh, you, know, you know what I mean? In, in today's uh, media, I don't know if you could play Frank. Um, maybe not. I don't know, I don't but know. I wonder about all that if you just do it. I mean, I don't know if you, you if you're saying would producers of studio be hesitant, but I don't personally worry about that stuff as much as maybe I should because I just think these characters exist. Why can't you portray them? What is the problem? Yeah, I mean, even this guy, uh, Steve. You're aware of the uh, character Neil Sussman that um that marty did do you know that character <laughs> no i don't Where he, who is he, that he, neil, neil sussman is a guy who is an agent to kevin bacon uh oh that's big, uh, oh no no i've read almost Chris, all these Chris scripts Guess. almost all the way through yeah yes. I, I didn't know the name yeah. <laughs> yeah no no and the and the and the to me this again is a great great performance and yet marty you didn't take a screen credit your name isn't even right. You you turned it down. You told them I don't even want a screen credit for this or something. Is yeah, that I mean it was kind of stupid. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, it was stupid. It was kind of you know I shot for two days in that. I didn't take a salary. Christopher is my beloved old friend, and I just thought you know I I want to do this, and I think you know managers got involved and said, well you know you shouldn't take a credit. So I said sure I don't take it. When you turn to Kevin Bacon, and you say. Uh, hey, um, uh, I, I'm going to be more than an agent. I'm going to be three things, and you hold up four fingers, and you go, and you go. I'm going to be a mother. I'm going to be a, a father. I'm going to be a bull buster. I'm going to be, the, you know, a Quantro and Saudi, please. You know, that is that a is that a uh, ad lib thing, or was that in the script? I can't remember. It was the script was written by Michael McKean and Christopher. Guest. But there's always room for ad. Yeah, but I, 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 so it's hard to know. You know, you do lots of takes, and and Chris is an improviser, so we would change right. it from take. So I can't remember, in fairness to the script, what was in there and what wasn't. I'll Steve, say the when first time I met Chris. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Well, the first, okay, first, first time I met Chris Guest, whom I admire so much, <laughs> and I know he's, you know, he has standards. <laughs> and, and I had never met him, so I was afraid to meet him. And it was at your Christmas party. Yeah. And so I, I see Chris Guest, and it's, uh, yeah, I guess I gotta, I gotta say hello to Chris Guest, but I'm a little afraid. <laughs> so I go up and I start talking to him, and we literally talk for 45 seconds, and I'm like nervous, and I say, no, I love your work, blah, blah, blah. And then I go, oh, there's, uh, so and so, I gotta go say hello to him. And he said, so this is it then? <laughs> Steve, I have to confess, uh, I've been to your home a few times. I get like that with you. I get really nervous around you. And, uh, you know, all, all jokes aside, I, I, I am very admiring of you, as you know. And uh, when when you're talking to me, I think, oh, he, he doesn't really want to be talking to me right now. So you I could always be right. Think, <laughs> I, I, I think I am right. I am convinced I am right. In fact, how about... When, 
Yeah. Well, go ahead. I'm saying, first of all, that's a shame because I know that feeling for yeah. you know, other people. Not you, but <laughs> I know. <laughs> but how about the next time you come to the house, we'll bring Marty so there'll be someone you respect less. Oh, oh that would make we'll things easier. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, yeah, what? it's actually too bad because I know that feeling and I don't like it. You know, it makes me intimidated. So and, why don't why don't you change? Well, uh, for the uh, example, the other day, I uh, not the day, like last month, we had dinner with Carol Burnett. And right. I'm I'm intimidated by Carol Burnett. And, you know, she couldn't be nicer or friendlier no, or genius. funnier or, you know, I tried to I tried to get her to be self-deprecating but she she knew that would be a lie <laughs> right she's she too good great yeah, accomplishment. She, she can't pull off being self no, i never when i'm with you i never try to outwit you or i mean you come out with marty am i right when you're with steve and, and i i suspect marty you're the same way actually i sat with you at brad gray's wedding and marty martin short was so funny at the table and started talking about Nazis and you, I don't know if you even remember it, but it's legendary in my house. It was maybe the funniest thing I'd ever heard. So I've always decided when I'm around you guys, I, uh, I do, I just sit there, I listen, I try to be reverential and I do not in, in the, I do not try to out funny Steve Martin or Martin Short. It's a big fucking mistake. Here's um, what I feel. Uh, if I'm going to throw a dinner party and say I'm going to invite, Three couples, and I'll invite right. Marty. And so, <clears throat> get people says yes. What night is it? We're coming back. And then if Marty says, "I'm sorry, I can't come," I cancel the party. Is that right? <laughs> it wouldn't be so much fun, but you know, it's like, oh, right. I want it to be a fun party. Yeah. In fact, at the beginning of the pandemic, I said to my wife, "I'm going to write Steve. I don't like to bother Steve." Steve's like me. I somehow you can. Think, you can anytime you no, want. I, I think it's. Fun. I wrote you, and I said I think Steve wrote me back like a form letter, like um, like I, I think a lot of people <laughs> were bothered. I I I wrote Steve, and what? I said, Steve, I hope you're okay. I hope you're safe and healthy. You know, just a quickie. And then he wrote yeah. me wrote me back, and I think it might have been a, le a an email that he blasted back to a bunch of people. And that's how paranoid I am about you. I was no, convinced. That's not, that's not true. I like I like making little jokes on email with. People like you. I mean, sometimes, you know, I'll get an email like from you or from uh, Jimmy Kimmel and I feel or Seth Meyers. And I feel like I'm obligated to write something equally funny uh, to what they wrote. back, right. And then well, I get it was, a little. It was the funniest thing I ever got. I mean, it was like you were talking about how happy you are that there was a pandemic and it was hysterical. <laughs> I mean, it was like, like you were like, oh, oh so it, it wasn't yeah. a form letter. But, well, I thought maybe you would send it to other people because I'm so it's not that you did. It's just I get I get that. I, I get that. way. I got an you. email from you at the same time. And you kept talking about how happy you were that you were home during the pandemic. Oh, you liar. See what <laughs> I mean, Marty? That's what I'm saying. It, 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 it. Now, when you guys are shooting, um, when you guys are shooting this thing on Hulu, which has turned out to be very big, um, uh, it's called Only Murders in the Building. It's now airing on Hulu. Steve, when you're writing this. Uh, and uh, you know you're going to put Marty in it, right? This was a project for you no, and Marty. No, at the time of the writing, first of all, I, cre I created the show. It was my idea. I co-created with John Hoffman. So I wrote mm -hmm. the initial three pages outlining the idea and the characters, and then John Hoffman came in with his ideas, and then it you know it goes into a writer's room, and they write that. So uh, as far in terms of being a, a writer, I'm really more of a, kibitzer or we we both 
try to come up with lines or <clears throat> say, could I say this instead or that? But the actual writing and plotting is done by at least 10 fantastic writers from all different backgrounds, novelists and comedians and, you know. Yeah, there's a big writer's room. Screenwriters. But, oh, Steve, so you what, know, but, but Steve no, is, Marty was not involved. It was actually designed, you know, the, the truth is, the short version, I told this last night so I feel a little funny, but the, the sh short version is I had this idea for three old people in a building. And right. they they like they just realize they like true crime, but because they're old, they didn't want to go downtown. So they'd say, "Okay, only murders in the building," and then right. there's a murder in the building. Right. I mean, what's and amazing about Steve is that he never. I mean, with all this endless, he never gets writer's block. No matter how hard you pray for it, it just doesn't. <laughs> no, it's weird. It is. It's really quite something. Steve and uh, and Steve made good use of his time during the pandemic and came up with an idea for a show and actually uh, well actually I came up with that way before the pandemic uh, I had the idea I had the idea for like ten years and what happened was the idea I just kept it in my mind I didn't even really tell anybody and then when we were finally I did pitch it to you know Dan Fogelman and some great people and then we had the idea I said well they said do you want to be in it and I said oh I, I don't I'll do it if Marty does it. Hmm. And that's that's what happened. And he he said, oh. "Yeah, fun. yeah." And 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 as a writer of some of the best comedies of all time, is there ever a time that the Hulu executives, whoever they may be, will give you notes or uh, or would they never dare? Once. Never, never once. once. There was a stone. No, that I know of. Because right. you know, by the time it filters back to me, it's gone through a producer and a director and this. So I don't know. But I they said no. They I, the implication was they weren't getting. Notes, you know. No, the, from everything I ever heard, the early response was always positive. My God, we're happy, you know. Yeah, but I mean, who would have the balls to give Steve Martin notes? Or oh, I frankly, take notes. I I love notes. I I, yeah, but, I have nothing against. I'm not like the world's authority. Somebody's watching it, and they can say, you know, if you did this or that, I go, oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, there's nothing like that. I mean, I mean, some people. I mean, I did a summer series a couple years ago with Maya Rudolph, and. She is so kind of oddly brilliant that she, her dressing room, she'd have her four kids and there'd be pandemonium. Then she'd walk onto the set and she'd know her lines and she just, the first take would be perfect. It would be perfect. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like that at all. I, I like to do a take and I go over to the writers and say, so what do you think? Too much? Too, should I, okay, let's try. Okay. And I know that eventually it will be. But Maya was just like perfect second she opened her mouth so selena i don't know gomez, I was selena gomez intimidated working with you two i would think that a kid like being on a set with you two or you know or what she... you know i had to you know i knew who selena gomez was but i didn't know her work that well so i looked her up on you know the internet and i realized at 28 she had done as many movies as i had <laughs> <laughs> right and i realized i'm working with a, a absolute pro yeah and i'd I... say we hit it off really well you, uh, you know, almost immediately and then as the series went on we developed that you know that kind of rapport on the set that you i that you want so badly but i Are think you, certain you know I, I have always read certain actors want to create world war three in the set and out of the ashes come their performance and that would be horrible for me personally mm -hmm. and right. it would be horrible for you i think and when we met selena the first day of shooting 
right away you knew she wanted to keep a joyful, loose, happy set. And so we all were similar in that. And, you know, she's a, she, she's a pop diva. You know, she right. could be anything. But, she, you know, she comes to the set exactly on time. We all meet at the yeah, same the, time. Exactly. There's no waiting. We run the lines together. There's, you know, it's, it, it's all pro, which is what we, we need all pro so later we can be all creative. We don't want to have to, you know, mess around with somebody who's 20 minutes late to the set. What was that story I read that she had to explain to Steve what uh, WAP stood for? Uh, wet ass pussy? Uh, was that a thing, Steve? How did you. Um, That's absolutely uh, true. What happened? And I didn't know this song, WAP. We're told WAP. now it's WAP. And, uh, and I didn't know this song. And she just came up and said, Do you know this song? And I'm listening to the lyrics. Now, and now I, I knew songs existed that were very frank and, you know, I don't know what you right. call it. I would say that song is Frank. Frank. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I didn't get. know, because that goes back a long time. It goes back to the 80s, right? This, right. You know, rap, and it's very Frank. <laughs> and, frank. Uh, and, uh, but I didn't honest. know they were number one. Right. <laughs> They'd be number one. And then what was the other, the other song? You're a fucking hoe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know this song. Yeah. And she would sing it, and we would laugh, you know. Yeah. Have you guys become old farts in the sense that when you hear uh, wet-ass pussy, and uh, I have become one, because I'm like, well, how, that's not, I, I immediately go into, that's not music. That is not music. I have I become. I don't, absolutely. I don't, I do not. I just go, that's, that's what's happening. And I've, yeah. all, I've made a conscious decision. I remember uh, Mike Nichols said to me once, you know, he was complaining about something. He said, I don't know if I have a legitimate complaint or if it's old phobiaism. Right. <laughs> and I've just decided, you know, that there's no way we used to do it. I used to, I heard that all the time when I was starting out. And I just think you're wrong. And I'm not going to become that person the way we used to do it. What's so great you about the way, way Howard has? <laughs> you guys have done What's so, so great many about the way we used to do it. Who is in touch with Dave Letterman? You guys have done so many Letterman appearances. Marty, you said you always felt like that was where you were very comfortable on a talk show because you felt of, like he was like a peer and it was the cool show to do. Steve, I suspect you're very fond yeah. of Dave as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, you've done the show many, many times. Are you guys in touch with him? Um, uh, do, do, you, do you feel that the, the talk shows have the same gravitas? Are you missing these guys like Johnny Carson and David Letterman? Well, well we missed them because yeah. they were great. Yeah. Uh, you but, in but, touch with them? With Dave? I, I'm not because I never know. Well, I guess I have an email. I do. I have dinners when I'm in town with Paul and Dave and I will have a dinner. I'm kind you of do. with him like maybe you say you are with me. I feel a little intimidated. Scared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what's yeah, amazing. Yeah, he scares me too. No, no, but <laughs> Howard, the amazing thing about David is like that Steve or Tom Hanks, if you were here, you'd say the same thing. You, if you killed on Letterman, you were the happiest human being you could be for a week. Yes. It was the greatest feeling in the world because we admired him and loved him so much. And if he laughed, what better moment could that be? Yeah, no, those appearances were so important to me. And I only wanted his approval. You know, I only wanted him to walk away and say, this guy didn't screw up my show. You know, I felt you know, that's such another a that's a great element, because I think if Marty and I are going, going on a show, you know, the, the host has such a hard job if he's got to drag stuff out of you. And I've seen yep. him 
people suffer with people who aren't coming up with stuff. So I think at least we can give them a break. You know, we can just, you know, start talking and doing things. It's that, that I, little, it's that little boy in me that wants to please daddy. Yeah, me too. And, uh, Letterman, um, well, Marty tells that story that Letterman, um, told him that when a guest is telling a story, he is completely convinced that the audience is changing the channel. <laughs> and, yeah, he said he could hear the click. <laughs> yeah, and I get that. You know what I mean? When I when I was on regular radio, terrestrial radio, sometimes I'd sit there and go, I don't think I can have any guests. I got to keep like spewing out whatever it is I do. There's no room for anybody else to to be the star or to be the performer, mm -hmm. uh, which was wrong. But uh, that was my own misguided kind of thing. Well, look. I am very excited for the two of you. This bromance, whatever it is that's going on, even the two of you. I hate to hear that, but go ahead. But it is a bromance. You two have never seen each other nude, or have you? Um, I'm, I've not not from the waist up. <laughs> I've I've only I've only seen Marty nude through peepholes. I see. But I mean this this no, really we've never this, seen each other nude. This fantastic that is not something. I uh, kind of looking see? forward to either. No. Yeah. Well, I, but listen, I was always amazed. You guys have the colonoscopies together, even. I mean, yeah, uh, but that was not. We weren't in the same room when right. it happened. No, but I, no, no. I, I, you were. You were asleep. It's not like I was a colonoscopy, <laughs> right? No, I think when I hear this story, when I've heard you guys talk about the colonoscopy story, that it's it's that's a bunch of these guys get together and they have a colonoscopy party. I I would die if I had to be around people because when I have had colonoscopies. That, that all that liquid you drink, it's pouring out of you. I wouldn't want to be running into the bathroom and feeling sick. Well, that was the funny. That was a funny part. Well, you know what's interesting? I mean, we'd, we'd play poker, and then suddenly someone would go, "Whoa!" and yeah. leave the table. <laughs> but I just recently had a colonoscopy, uh, and without my buddies, it was a lonely time. But it's changed. You don't drink the stuff. You take a pill. Oh, that's you it. Don't drink the stuff anymore. You take uh, pills. The effect is the same. Right. I think you'd like take a pill with like a half a glass of water. That was the weirdest thing about Steve. You know, we did it. We, we did the sleepovers at uh, it was Walter Parks, Tom Hanks, Steve, myself. And we'd do it at Steve's home. And it would always be set up in the jello and the little solutions yeah, yeah, at the right. table. And but what was surprising, you would think he only has one bathroom in the house. So by around midnight, it looked like day 14 of a carnival cruise. <laughs> no, but wait a second. If I was Steve, I'm being serious. I would not want you guys in my house making duty and, and all in the mess. And, the you know, you know, I mean, it's constant and it's it's sloppy. And that's Steve why you're Berg, afraid of me. You think I'm going to invite you? Uh, I, I wouldn't even go, okay. you know, uh. You know, this is uh, this is fabulous. I'm very happy for you guys having this uh, hit series on on Hulu. And, uh, well, I was saying you know, this morning that I'm really glad you're working together again, that you had the time and the, you know, and that that opportunity came for these two people we'd love to see on screen together to be on screen together. Will you get sick of each other? Do you think it's too I much? I don't think work we'll together? ever get sick of each other, but I actually have a worry that people will get sick of us. And that yeah. it'll be the channel. We'll be doing our shtick on a talk show and you'll hear the clicking that Dave talked Well, about. that's inevitable. <laughs> no. Yeah, when you guys are goofing on each other, there is nothing better. It is such an or I even go, I can't believe how much material these guys put out on talk shows. <laughs> uh I'm shocked by the amount of preparation you do. It's it's remarkable. 
Well, it's well, remarkable with a mocha swirl of needy. It's a, it's a strange thing. It's, it's our job. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's you, the way you, I look at it. It's our job. Right. Well, right. I'm up yeah. to episode four. Oh. Uh-oh. On the Hulu series. It's only This is right up four. my alley because I love murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. And true crime. And. Who do, who do you I, think did it? I still don't know. I mean, there's so many red herrings. <laughs> I mean, there's six more episodes. Come on. <laughs> I'm on episode two, so I I, uh, I still have a little ways to go, but uh, I'm enjoying so you did it. The, you did the Dave Letterman thing. Click. I've seen it. Click it off. No. I, I, listen, I, 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 I just started. It's only 30 minutes. Uh, well, listen, give me a chance. You know, I'm a very busy man. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, 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 the demands of my time are just remarkable. Right. Look, what will you do, so Howard, fast. the rest of the day? What will you do with the rest of your day? Well, first of all, uh, today's like a work day, so I, I have to work. But what I was off for the summer, and Steve knows this about me, I love to paint. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe that Steve doesn't paint because Steve loves painters. Steve collects art. Steve, when you go to his house, shows you his art. He, he he's almost bragging about the you know these are expensive paintings and uh, yeah. you know, I mean, there's price question. tags on them. Yeah, I was just yeah. gonna say. And in all seriousness, Steve really is a an art historian. And so right. I'll say to Steve, Steve, why don't you try painting? No interest whatsoever. And it's um it's the only no flaw I can or find. Or gift, by the way, or gift. You don't need the. By gift. the way, I'll just say I know this is uh uh. You know, it's not your up your alley, but you are a fine watercolorist. Are you a temperist or watercolor? These they're they're not like amateur night. They're not Sunday painters. They're like full blown. You can see in a gallery, and they're beautiful. who would you say is a better painter, Howard or the late Tony Curtis? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Tony Curtis had a, a facility. He was good. Was he good? Yes, he was good. He was good. Well, he he how about Tony Bennett? Will you be uh, oh, oh, to- able to oh, say I- you were better? I'm sorry. Tony Bennett is yeah. who I'm oh, talking about, not Tony, Tony Curtis. Oh, you're thinking Tony Bennett. He's yeah, yeah, Tony, Tony Bennett. Curtis. Right. Uh, am I better? I, that, that would be obnoxious. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> no, know No, no, definitely that, are. Yes. I mean, both Tonys no. were inspired by other artists in that paint, like Picasso or Matisse, or in case of uh, Tony Curtis, he'd make uh, boxes like Joseph Yeah, right Cornell. now. A 95-year-old Tony Bennett is He's home listening. listening going, fuck him. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I take that back. Actually, yeah. Tony Bennett is a really good painter. <laughs> yeah, let's, let, yeah, let's leave it that. But, but Steve should yeah. be a painter. He, he, should, he no, should at least try no. his hand. Why would I do that? I, I mean, I, I think that uh, like you love saying, painters. You know what I want to do? I want to be a, 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 a shock jock on the radio. That's what I want to do. I enjoy well, listening to you. Why don't I want to do that? Well, you know what Larry King once said? Tell me tell me what not to say and I'll say it. That's all Howard Stern does. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess that's kind of true. <laughs> it was obnoxious. But uh, you got to love Larry we King, miss, though. Yeah. We miss Larry King. So now you've got a big – I'm not going to keep you here all morning because obviously you have a big promotional schedule. You've got yeah. things to do. Are you, uh, this is a this is an exhausting day to start out so early. No, we're and okay. It, we actually – it makes it easier with the two of us. It just does. Yeah. By the way, Howard, did I ever tell you about the first time I ever thought you were funny? Yes, you no. did. Oh, you, you think did? I forget I that? I know it. But I, I'll tell great. it again. No, it's, it's 100 right. years ago, and I hear about Howard Stern, Howard Stern. Okay, I'm going to listen to Howard Stern, so I listen. And I'm listening, and I'm, you know, I'm enjoying it. But then you start talking about the Pope, and he's doing the Pope's voice. And, you know, the Pope wears this 
pointy hat. Yeah. And so he's doing, he's doing the accent of the book. You know what I wear? You know what I have under my pointy hat? He says, what? It's a bottle of ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Steve, is it true you are sitting at home, waking up two or three o'clock in the morning, and you are now writing ideas for these cartoons? I, I follow you on uh, Twitter. Yeah, um, which, uh, it is which you have a big problem. And we published a book with Harry Bliss. Yes. It's fabulous. But we're doing another book that we're we're working on because, you know, I people kept saying, why don't you? I, I wrote about my time in stand up comedy and people would say, why don't you write about uh, the movies? And I thought, I don't hmm. want to write about the movies because the stand up had a beginning, middle and end. The movies are just anecdotes. You know, and then I right. did this and I met so and so. And there's no beginning, middle and end. And then I was thinking, talking with Harry, and I thought, you know what? What's wrong with anecdotes? Anecdote, movie anecdotes take a great form in a comic strip because you don't have to do setup. You know, the, the drawing sets up the situation and everything. You don't have to belabor all the writing. So that's what we're working on now. In fact, we're meeting next week. We've done a ton of drawings of memories of the movies. I think writing these cartoons that you write with Harry Bliss, I know you come up with these ideas and he draws them. I um I, I think By the way, he comes hardest, up with his own ideas too. But no, I understand that he's a yeah. talented guy. But I'm saying I, I think that's the hardest form of comedy to 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 take one line in a little little box and come up with something witty, something funny that'll make the the world laugh. It, it, right, Marty? It, it, well, that's kind of why I did no, it. I, it, it. I find it completely <laughs> baffling. I mean, and and yeah. I, I've seen a lot of this next book, and it's hilarious. But I find it would be. <laughs> Very intimate. By the way, this would be hard. I'll, I'll just tell this one. And, and, well, you can't cut, can we? We're, we're alive. We're live. But I, right. One we made, it hasn't been published yet. It's, it's called The Invention of Fire. And there's all these sort of cavemen dancing around this big, big fire that they've just made. And they're burning wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Marty, tell me if this is weird about Steve. And I, 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 I admire this. Steve secretly wrote for a New Yorker cartoonist for years. He would call him up, give him his ideas, and never take credit. Will not reveal who the cartoonist was. I could never be that magnanimous uh, to do that. I, I want credit. If I come up with something funny, I want credit. Uh, Steve, oh, what? Absolutely. I'm with you. This is a very generous man to give a uh, comedy. Well, to it was a to... friend. It was a friend. And you're mm -hmm. probably paid under the table. No. Oh. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, it was fun to see if you could do because uh, to me, uh, comedy, I mean, uh, cartooning was kind of the last frontier. Who was it? No, I'm not telling you. Tell no, it. No, it Let good. me guess. Go ahead. Gan Wilson. No, no, no. Just joking. You wish. Not Gan Wilson. A cartoonist. It doesn't matter. But Steve, what would happen when these cartoons would come out and people would go, "Oh, these are so funny. They're so they're wonderful." And blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't, you know, a cartoon, you don't get feedback. Mm. When you write it, you, you don't like go on stage and try it in front of 900 people to see if it works. You have no idea if it's funny or not. It just strikes you funny. Right. And there's no vehicle for you to find out if anybody but, thought it was funny. But didn't this cartoonist want to say, hey, this is Steve's. I, I, I didn't come up with it. In a way, maybe he No, I wanted it. I wanted it that way. It was a situation that called for it. It's just, it was. <laughs> <laughs> tell Marty who it was. Just whisper it. Yeah. We won't hear. Yeah. Um, no, you'll tell me later. My favorite Steve line about Marty is, um, 
I love touring with Marty because there's no paparazzi. Uh, I mean, come on. It's <laughs> such a great line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that line, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, when you're doing a, a, sta a stage show and you've got a new joke, it can yeah. be just one. Yeah. It makes the whole show come to life. You go, I cannot wait to get to this one line. <laughs> and sometimes we drop lines. We say, we've done it too much. And then we go... We got to get that line back in. It's just too funny. Right. I mean, it, it's this idea that as if the audience has seen every one of our shows and memorized it. You know? <laughs> well, listen, I mean, uh, first of all, I never thought, Marty, I credit you with this. Uh, I never thought I'd see Steve Martin touring live again. I thought that that was a phase of his career that he hated. Not, not at the time hated, but it was enough. He, he hung it up and had moved on in life. And I, I feel in a way you made it fun for Steve again to get on if stage. If you have a friend, go ahead, you can answer. But if you have a friend, it's all, all the difference in the world. But, you know, I did tour with a music show, and that got me back on stage uh, right. with the band, the Steep Canyon Rangers, and, and developed comic uh, stuff with that. So, yep. But we've been asked to interview each other for the closing of the Just for Last Comedy Festival in Chicago. And... And it went great. And we, more importantly, really, really enjoyed it. So we said, hey, let's do that again. And I had a show, and Steve had a music show, and then we kind of combined them. And uh, then we years. kind of massaged it yeah, 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 into yeah, yeah. A, 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 a unity, which right. took a while. took right. a couple of years to get get it together where it's a real two-man show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys don't go out separately. In other words, uh, you don't do a little Marty, couple yeah, of minutes. Yeah, we do. We oh, do. you do? Okay. For example, if I went out, I'd go out with the band. Steve Canyon Rangers, but you would go out with your piano player. Right. Marty does a, a fantastic one-man show. Steve, was the New Yorker correcting naming Martin Short the greatest talk show guest of all time, or do you take umbrage with that and say, wait a second, I am the greatest talk Seriously, is is Martin Short? And, and I, I, I don't, actually think he is. I mean, I don't... Oh, uh, I don't know if I don't it's have true. A, <laughs> you're sure acting like it's true. <laughs> Why explain to me this quickly? I, I when I, I see you guys so infrequently that I have to ask this. Why tell me comedy is so difficult in the sense that you guys were on stage and you would, you know, go back and forth with one another. And it worked and it's funny. Somewhere along the line, Steve, I think it was you had the idea of let's stand on stage with cocktail glasses and pretend we're at a cocktail party <laughs> and we'll go back and forth. No, I'll with explain one what the bit is. That story. That's we so funny. we had a bit that was working fine. And it's just, it's early in the show where we're just kind of trading quips. Right. Trading insults, exactly. So right. I had the idea. <laughs> and it was killing. It was going great. Right. You know, that's where the line, the paparazzi is in and all that. And I said, Marty, what if we pretended we were at a cocktail party <laughs> and then we kind of run into each other and we start putting each other down? Right. Well, you never saw a bit go from a high to a low in overnight the audience just suddenly just, hated us they hated they stared at it and he, see, do you know why that, do you know why i think it's because because we were asked roles to, i think we were playing roles we were having to play characters ourselves right. and and on stage we're just but that's characters. the thing i don't really break up on stage <laughs> or in sketches or only in if i bomb but when that happens, seeing the look in his eyes at bombing is so hysterical. You cannot stop laughing. So days. it's our uh, our go-to uh, yeah. phrase. It's the cocktail party yeah. is a go-to. Yeah. Sounds like the cocktail party to me. Yeah. And that is the hardest part of comedy. Because I, I remember when I made my movie, uh, Ivan Reitman would take 
a, a scene that doesn't get laughs, and then he would take an alternate take where maybe I'm looking directly uh, at a person or something, and suddenly it was funny. And I didn't understand that. I was like, wow, this guy's right. brilliant. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, it's, it's, well, it's magic. Well, that happens all the time. We'll take a line that's soft and put it in a different place. Like the, um, uh, the new thing about uh, <laughs> Dusty and Stale. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You can't even explain it. Yeah. Can't even. Oh, it's too complicated. Yeah. Well, look, you guys are geniuses. And Aww. to stick with you. Uh, yes. How does it yeah, feel you... to be a genius? You know, I'll tell you, know I'll tell you what. It's weird. We... <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Marty, do you lay in bed and go, I, I, I can't believe I am a genius. But you, but you are. I it mean, it uh... is very. And then I think, well, I guess Newton was a genius. But <laughs> and yes, my genius is kind of more um, a pocket. So it's like Newton yeah. and you. Newton and me. <laughs> and by the way, Newton was hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's. Who's the bigger genius? Steve or Mark? Years being a genius. No, here's what I think. I hear the word legend all the time. And my mind, and, and, and I'm, I know I'm right, goes to two years after I'm dead, they go, Steve Martin, go, who? Right. The only thing I, I would agree so. with di uh, different is that I think it's two years before you're dead. <laughs> oh. You think they're saying it uh, two years before? Think they're saying no, it. nobody cares. I don't. I, no. They're not going to hold my name, you know, because it's there's evidence, you know, in the past these people that were so big, you know, Danny yeah. K. Red Skelt, they were so big. That's true, right? And just, and Mickey I, Rooney, I, I Mickey Rooney. Right. One of the biggest stars in the world, really. Absolutely, was, yeah. yeah. You know, no, I was once doing a Broadway musical, Goodbye Girl, and backstage was Mickey Rooney <laughs> and <laughs> Linda Hunt. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and Linda Hunt said to me, she looked over at Mickey Rooney and said, who's that tall drink of water? So, you know, you never know. <laughs> Show business. I need the best. There's no best. better... There's no better business than show business. Is this correct, guys? This is oh, uh. There's no business like show business. There's no business you know, like show business. You know, people people say to me, "How do you do so much?" And I say, "Well, you know, I don't have a job. <laughs> I don't. I don't wake up in the morning and go to work for eight hours. I just sit there and think. And pretty soon you think, well, I guess I got to come up with something. I don't know." <laughs> Steve, don't you think you should be wealthier based on your fame and all the brilliant things you've written? Do you ever sit and say, I should, my bottom line should be bigger? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know. Steve should be the wealthiest man in the world, right, Marty? Well, you know, oh, when absolutely. I first started, when I first started doing my stand-up act, at its height, tickets were $10. Wow. And I got criticized. For having a $10 ticket. Yeah, but a cup of coffee was a nickel back then. <laughs> <laughs> and we kept saying, when, when is this war with the Germans going to end? I mean, it was a different era. Yeah. All right, last, listen, listen, last question, and then I'm going to let you guys get out of here because... Uh, uh, sure don't let us go. No, I'm sure you have enlarged prostates and you have to pee. So let me let me. Well, that uh, just get happened the... 10 minutes ago, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I, I thought you looked uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I would change this couch. Clear That's up why the, I couldn't uh, look away. I just saw this spot growing bigger and bigger. <laughs> Kind of lost Clear contact up. with the show. The movie Dumb and Dumber. I have heard that 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 Marty turned down a role in Dumb and Dumber, the famous uh, Jim Carrey movie. And Steve, you were the original guy for Dumb and Dumber that they actually offered it to you. First of all, that's not true. At all. It's not true at all. I had never heard of Dumb and Dumber until it came out. Oh, and I mean, wow. I'm you know I was offered other things, but I know that I was. Well, you might have been offered, and you didn't know. 
Well, that you know, they put you on a list. Yeah. So maybe they decided, oh, uh, you know, you okay, we're going to get somebody else, or, or I was busy. I don't know, but it never got to me. Oh, and, and I don't well, what take about- pride in, you know, I was the first or offer. I, mm-hmm. I don't, you know. Yeah, that's classy. What I mean, about I'd you, Marty? Those lists, lists I was Marty- offered um, the Jeff Daniels role, right? And uh, I kept thinking. And then when I saw the movie, I thought, thank God they went with Jeff Daniels because he was perfect for it. And I wouldn't have been. Well, but you, you turned yes, down you a movie. And mm-hmm. I work because we're on uh, satellite radio, we can say this. Yeah. You turned down a movie. And I remember this. You said, here's the scene why I turned down the movie. You were like an executive. And, oh, yeah, you have the ability to be frozen. <laughs> and then the 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 co-star gets up and farts in your face while you're frozen. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. And I said, I'm not doing that. Right. <laughs> See, I've fabulous... got standards. <laughs> what a fabulous film. Yeah. 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 I, uh, well, I adore the two of you. Um, I spent last night watching some of your old movies and, oh, you know, man. I, and, uh, I was, you know, when I was watching Nathan Thurm, remember that, Steve? When, when, uh, um... oh, we do it yeah. in our show. He does. Oh, you well, do? You... Well, we don't do it. Not do it, video. but you, you do yeah. the voice. I know that. You don't think I know that? <laughs> <laughs> He's reminding you. It's no, when you were on thing. Saturday Night Live, when, when when Marty was on Saturday Night Live, he did a character, Nathan Thurm. That is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It was a sweaty guy. And his whole confusion. I know that. You don't think I know that? I knew that. <laughs> well, when he's I attacked, mean, he would he would attack back. Yeah. And it was when, so Yeah, He just were loose as a goose on Saturday Night Live. So was Steve. It's crazy. I could talk to you I guys about Saturday Night Live for hours. It's uh, it, it's really something. You in touch with Lauren, Steve? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are you guys are tight. Is he a better friend to you than Marty, or is Marty your best friend? Well, I see Marty more. <laughs> Lauren is very very busy. Yeah, um, who was the best man at your wedding? Was it was it you? No, it was Lauren. <laughs> it was Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> Marty, do you take offense to that? Me. <laughs> what? You should have been the best. You should have been the best man, right, Marty? I mean, you're out on the tour with this guy. You're you're making movies with this guy, Lauren. Yeah, I, mean, Lauren? I remember at the wedding, I just sat there like this. You, yeah. uh, <laughs> hi, Lauren. Wow. How are you? I said, best Steve, man. Yeah, Steve. Finally, if Lauren or Marty needed a kidney, who gets it? <laughs> oh, that's they that's both a need a kidney question. at the same time. They, they both to donate a kidney. They don't want a seventy-six-year-old <laughs> kidney. Hey, you're going to get my kidney. Oh, okay. Yeah, but not not till my next birthday. I'll be seventy-seven. Okay, good. Yeah. That's such yeah. good news. You, you might hope, live another two years with that. I think I'll live longer. <laughs> I hope the two of you are being safe. I somehow feel with COVID that you two should be sequestered and locked down. I'm, I'm nervous with you doing these talk shows. I mean it. I'm I'm really afraid. I'm being serious now. I, I'm and I guess too. yeah, I'm Are really Are there any more... audience mandates? You know, I think that I uh, actually I was watching Morning Joe this morning. There was a doctor on saying that if people are double vaxxed and they live in a world with other people double vaxxed and in the same room with be okay. someone they don't know they wear a mask, they're really going to be okay. Well, so, we played Reno, and the audience uh, was all masked, all masked the whole time. Wow. Yeah. And I thought that's yeah, going to okay. be really uncomfortable, but it didn't affect. And then the we did two other shows. This is a couple weeks ago where they were outdoors. And, were outdoors. Also- and we don't allow anyone backstage. My sister came to the show, and she was not allowed backstage. I didn't even say hello to my sister. 
That's smart. No, seriously. I mean, yeah. that, that makes sense. Because, yeah. you know, we have a band and the band is, everybody's tested and right. we can't break the pod up. You just can't right. have okay. a person come So in. you're being careful, in other words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, you mentioned Morning Joe. That That is a fabulous show, right, Marty? I mean, Morning, oh, I, I watch that. that I watch that all the time. And Mika. And they're married in real life. I don't know if you know I that. I know. Yeah. But they they're all a, fantastic. They really are good. We, we still don't get political, Steve, Marty. You, you guys, uh, you, you, you do not get political. I am outraged in the state of the world. Oh, I, I love, about- I love it when you talk about it. But I, I tell you what, I the reason I don't get political, especially on stage, is in the middle of the show. I don't want to hear boo, and that's right. what happens. And suddenly you have a divided, divided audience. And I think, well, they get that at night. Why do they want to come? Yeah, I, I do, do think thing? that, and also. What are they going to do, learn a lesson? I think they need a lesson. Mm. You know, they do, but I'm, I'm scared. I mean, Steve has a young daughter. I, I, I have kids with Marty. You have kids. I really am concerned about this state of the world, the amount of anger in the world. Uh, what's happening with this Roe v. Wade? What's happening? Um, uh, you know, just even with the Texas and, 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 and the voting restrictions and people just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyway, you're going on the view. They're going to ask know, you. Let stuff. me ask you something, Howard. And I, I never know what the answer is because to me, when I read about Texas or Governor Abbott, I started, I started to feel like, what, it, what is, is it an evil practice he's doing? Or he obviously believes in his heart he is right. And that's the most confusing thing because it seems yeah. so extreme on both sides. Word is, why won't people take the vaccine? What the, what the hell you know, is going? I have a theory that's never been expounded. What? People are afraid of shots. And they don't no. want to say, I'm afraid of shots. So they come up with another. Well, that might be a portion of non-vaccinated. But I think I used to be afraid of shots. As Trump said the other day, I'm not saying take away your freedoms with an ass. You guys are going on the view. They're probably going to hit you up with some of these types of questions. I hope you're prepared. You're never Um, going to see a guy go silent faster than me. He'll just sit there. Listen. (laughs) First of all, you've got this fabulous new show. Congratulations again. You guys, everything you touch is golden. Only Murders in the Building now airing on Hulu. We love it. Robin and I love it. It's We're watching funny. It. It's serious about the crime. It's absurd. I love everything about it. Thank the you, two of you, so are great. you, Robin. The next you, time Robin. you come on, I want answers like, who are the greatest comedians that ever lived? Mm-hmm. Who were your influences? I want to know why Steve got his COVID shot at the Javits Center and doesn't have a private doctor. He's way too big a star to be just standing in line. Did he stand in a line? I was so moved by going to the Javits Center. It was populated with the National Guard, with the Army, every people of all kinds of people doing the same thing for good. And it was expedient and kind and it made me weep it was so moving but aren't you too I too big got a it star? at the javits center and had the same experience you did <laughs> yeah i believe marty went to a private doctor had no experience with the shot and uh, no you I, couldn't I, private doctors could, no i did well i did but his name can't. was dr javits right what that's, that's true <laughs> <laughs> well anyway congratulations on another great triumph the two of you, you together are magical I Thank love you. you guys. I love you for visiting us this morning. Uh, uh, there's not enough accolades in my uh, my limited vocabulary to tell you how wonderful <laughs> the two of you are. 
You just uh, are the best. Steve, you will not be hearing from me privately because I'm too intimidated. No, no, but, please, uh, please write. I'll, I'm going to send you an email. I'm not really. I'm not really. Right. No, I know. That's show business. I know. I know. We'll and please don't yeah, I can't wait to get in the car and send you an email. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Listen, you guys, I know you got to go do another show, and I've uh, entered it up too much with you. Anybody want to say anything, anything that you did not get to say that you feel that you need to say now, or should we just end it? I'm 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 fine. I don't know. Why? I just I I love America. Say and something that'll get us kicked off the air. How about that? <laughs> no, don't. I'm not kidding. No. Um. <laughs> well, God bless America. God bless Canada. Yep. Good. Yes, of course, Canada. We can't forget Canada. All right, guys. We listen. Thank you, and uh, and uh, God bless you, and stay safe, please. Thank you, thank you, Robin. You look safe. Thank I'll tell you, you that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, am, I am in my basement. Goodbye, guys. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you. Bye. 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 There they are, two legends. Amazing. They're in our studio, and we're not. Yeah, it's weird. Give me back yeah. my studio. I'm ready to go back to the studio. I'll be honest with you, Robin. I, uh, really? I, I, no, but I just said it. <laughs> so people think I'm normal. What two great guys. I mean, um, and it is true. I find Steve. Like Steve's one of, uh, and, and Martin Short, I mean, the two of them together are just well, it's just awesome. incredible, as you said, how much they've done and how easy it seems for them to be funny. You know, mm. like it doesn't even seem like an effort. Like they don't labor over it. No, they don't agonize. Right. It just seems like fun. It is so true. It's uh, that's why I asked Steve. I said, Steve, can you really teach somebody comedy? And it, 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 you got to have a mind like Steve's. Steve claims you can, you know, you got to really work at it, blah, blah, blah. But Steve's got a certain something. And same with Martin Short. He comes up with these characters. I don't know. And if and you again, watch any people who, uh, you know, mimic other people, they have a, an ability to observe those little things. Yeah. That well, the guy in the character stand out. The guy in the New Yorker really wrote that Martin Short might be the best. Um, the best guest of a, of a television talk show ever. Right. Well, I can see um, how you could say that about either one of them. Yeah. Was was Steve on the list at least? <laughs> I don't know if there was a list, but it was this article. It was very complimentary. Right. And I, if you go back and Google any of these appearances, it's it's mind blowing. Uh, of either one of them, though. Yeah. I mean, Steve Martin is one of the greatest talk show hosts ever. I don't know how you could say no. Talk show guest. I mean, talk show guest. I'm sorry. Right. Well, anyway. You look forward you to go. it. You hear Steve's on, you tune in. The clicking goes the other way. Let me tell you a couple show. of things. And most importantly, and this is a weird story because, uh, no, I'm not transitioning. That's tomorrow. Please. Um, now, let me just, <laughs> let me just say something. Why don't you transition? <laughs> tomorrow. Don't you, it would as be Ronnie says, want to know what it's like? <laughs> Honestly, if, um, yeah, if it would get us more listeners, sure. Yeah, more subscriptions. <laughs> Uh, this is weird how it came about. Tomorrow we're doing a special show, and I still can't believe I'm doing it. I know. So, you usually will not change the time of this show. Right. So here's how it came about, because I don't even think I explained myself to you, and I should, because no, you're involved. I was just informed. Right. <laughs> Can you make it? <laughs> right. Are you available? Well, um, anyway, so it was like at the beginning of the vacation. And here I was looking at, for the first time ever, summer being off, you know, like, oh, my God. And um, 
they called me up when by they, I mean, people in charge of our show, people who run our show. Uh-huh. And the, the list is many because it's such a huge show. And they said, Hey, we need your, um, we need your uh, guidance here. Uh, Metallica and Miley Cyrus are teaming up because it's the 50th anniversary of black album, which is one of my favorite albums in the world. Metallica. It's the 50th anniversary. And, um, amazing. amazing. I, I don't I even, I'm not even sure that's accurate. I, I don't, I'd have to check. Be? I don't know. How can that be the 50th anniversary? I mean, how does that work? Cause I'm, did that album come out? Are you guys sure it's the 50th anniversary of the black album? They're probably all asleep. It's anyway. the 30th anniversary, Howard. 30th. Yeah. 30th. I knew I, okay, that makes 30th. more sense. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the 50th? <laughs> it's like, How could uh, it be did the 50th? they start performing before they were born? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. What am I, 80? <laughs> anyway, it's the 30th anniversary of the Black Album, Metallica. And everybody knows it's a legendary album. And so I guess they, they got together and they said to a bunch of uh, artists, Hey, in honor of the uh, thing, will you guys do a cover of our thing? And Miley Cyrus was involved. So they called me up at the beginning of vacation and said, Hey, Miley Cyrus and Metallica want to get together. And maybe even Elton John might join you for a few Ooh. minutes. Wow. And I'm sitting there and it's like, I've got an endless summer ahead of me. I've never had that much time off. And they go, yeah. And, and they can do it at 12, 15, which by the way is like, I have a personal biorhythm at this point. What happens to me at 12.15, it's like narcolepsy. I fall asleep at 12. Here's, what, here's my day. doesn't matter what the day is. I wake up super early, even if I'm off. The whole summer we were off, I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I get up. I eat breakfast. I do my thing, whatever that is. Maybe I paint or do a little work or whatever. And then I, uh, I, I'd go for a walk with my wife. Then I'd eat lunch. And then i fall asleep. I mean, i meditate. <laughs> So, uh, and it happens like clockwork. I eat lunch like 11 o'clock and then I'm unconscious. So when these guys called me and said, let's do, oh, the show's at noon. Oh, fuck. And you said 12, 15, they'll be on. Well, it says our show starts at noon tomorrow. Those are both Especially true, Howard. The show, the show starts at noon and then they'll be on at 12, 15. Yeah, well, the show starts at noon. So I got to be here at noon. And I am in a panic because I'm not going to get my nap in. And I don't even know what was in my mind. I, I guess what I said to myself is I'm not turning down Metallica, Miley Cyrus, and Elton John. Uh, I know it's a Thursday, but we'll have been off the whole summer. What's the big Everything deal? Everything seems fine two months ahead, you know, yeah. two months back. You could say, oh, sure. Yeah, I was Why out of my not? mind two months ago. I was like <laughs> running around naked, like, you know, jumping up and down. Like, oh, my God, I have all this time off. I'm like, what's the big deal if we get together Thursday at noon? But now I'm in a panic. So I'm trying to come up with a strategy. I said to, this would be like if you said to me, for a normal person, stay up till 4 a.m. and then do a show. Right. You know, stay awake all night. So um, anyway, I don't know. What's, the, the, like noon is when I fall asleep. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I said to Beth, what am I going to do? Maybe I could eat lunch at 10 a.m. <laughs> oh, my God. Lunch? <laughs> Ten. Yeah, and then like maybe get a little nap in, but I don't know. I told Beth she. Well, are you down. going to do things early in the morning? Or yeah, are you going I'm planning to on try to conserve I'm, yourself. 
It, that never works. Like, that if I just works. sit, I say to Beth, don't bother me. I'm just going to sit and <laughs> not use my voice. And But uh, over the summer, you could have gotten me to agree to do like 15 shows yeah. at noon. I didn't care. I was like, <laughs> who even cares? So anyway, it tomorrow. Like it was never going to happen. So of course you could say yes. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, and tell Robin too. She won't care. She's <laughs> off too. What does she give a shit? Well, my hardest thing is I can't do anything else before the show. You know, like yeah, I'm with I you. can't do things because I need to be ready for the show. And so if somebody yeah. puts something in the middle of my afternoon, it's like, what do I do? Because I mm. can't really do anything until it's time for the show. I so hear it you. Well, you a could watch burden, like you could watch some of your shows. I was thinking until the show starts. No, I watch. can't do that. See, no. that I can't do. I have to do the show first. <laughs> They're going to lock two of the two of us up in the loony <laughs> bin because this sounds crazy. I know. <laughs> I mean it. I can't do anything. Me neither. But I'm going to do some stuff and just fall asleep on the air, which could be funny. Well, I'll see if I can do anything. Mm. What I figured out over my summer vacation was that my life is pretty awesome, except for the show. It gets in the way of everything. So. <laughs> We got to work on, on that. Sunday, you know what I did on Sunday? You know, and Saturday and Sunday, I didn't speak. Hmm. Because I was like, no, I got to get ready to do the show. Look at you. And I've been, you know, just not paying attention to anything for the last two months of what day it was, what time it was. And I was like, and somebody said, oh, call me tomorrow. And it was. Friday. Call me tomorrow. Anytime you're, you know, because I want to talk to you. And I was like, I can't speak on Saturday. I'm not. I agree with Fred. Uh, proper, proper use of the Robin music right now. <laughs> In honor of you not speaking for two days. You know, you wonder, like, yeah. how uh, you preserve a voice. You don't use yeah. it all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, we're That's neurotic about our voices. <laughs> we want to do the best show possible for you. And. My show is my my voice is strongest in the morning. So, but so tomorrow we're doing a special show at twelve o'clock. If you want to tune in, and uh, it'll be with uh, the, the great Metallica, Miley Cyrus. We'll learn about how they got together. Um, Elton John, I think, will be calling for a few minutes. Ma- Did Elton John contribute to the uh, yeah album? Yeah. yeah, wow. They're going to do a song I together. I would love to hear Elton John doing Metallica. Yeah, no, he's 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 way into it, so he stays current. Uh Henry, you're on the air. And then I'll then we'll get out of here. Henry in Florida. Hey, what's up, man? Hey now. Hey, by the way, I do want to tell uh, Robin uh, I know she's nervous hey about now. tomorrow's show and not doing anything before the uh, noon show, but I was just checking the lineup for tomorrow morning on the, the Me Network and um you got eight thirty, <laughs> leave it to Beaver, nine AM Perry Mason, ten AM Matlock. It's lost um, on me now. You know what? I, I was telling the guys in the break after we talked about the Me Network that they were having a shimp festival at one ooh. point. And I was like, is that really necessary? Bad call. Shimp festival. <laughs> yeah. that Whoever that me is, he's got some strange tastes. Or she. Yeah. What about a curly? Strange taste. What yeah. Are the curly's more expensive? 
<laughs> yeah, Elton John uh, plays piano on Miley's version of Nothing Else Matters. Ah, so they, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, also, we're, uh, hold on one second, Henry. I'll get to you. We're going to replay two uh, of our big summer specials this Friday night because a lot of people missed Gay Straight and Who Knows with Chris Wilding, Ronnie and Ralph and Big Dick Energy. I got to hear all feet. of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth listening to. Hear them back to back starting at 5 p.m. Eastern on Howard 101. We always like to uh, get those out there. Uh, you know, all that shit. Hey, anyway. Henry, what's up? I uh, just wanted to say great interview with the Martins, man. Uh, it's always awesome hearing those guys. I love, I love hearing their stories. Um, also, I noticed that they were back in the studio. So are you, mm. is that your, like, what's your plan for that? Are you going to start having guests back in the studio? And, and like, when's your plan to, to make your way back there? Well, there's no end to my embarrassment because, like, it was really weird, like, like we won't go back to the studio and then when steve and marty said they were going to do it they go we'd like to be in the studio so we'll be there if you want to come in or and i was like no you guys can be there i'm going to be here <laughs> so i look like a big wimp but but the truth of the matter is and this is weird i i believe if i'm right the serious studios for the most part are shut down so i guess they opened it up for steve and martin short but well, I wondered, you oh, know, so about you're that still too. not able to get in there then. Yeah, no, we can't we can't bring our staff in. There's a limited amount of people in uh, there. There's very few shows. I know Andy Cohn did a show from there. I think. Um, but he's not right. doing his show regularly from there. No, I don't think so. I hope I have because that right. I said, you know, we need a newsletter to find out what's going on in the world of Sirius. Well, here's the bottom line. Nobody knows what to do with COVID. It's the real it's the God's honest truth. Nobody knows what's going on. It's a pain in the ass. It's a it's such a fucking pain in the ass, and you just wish the and, morons and it doesn't would get have their to vaccine. Be this way. That's the yeah. main thing. If I could just tell all the idiots, please get your vaccine, so we can get past this. Absolutely. Before this thing, before this Absolutely. thing morphs Supposedly, into the a. The president is making an address today to talk about how he's going to get everybody else vaccinated. I think. Good, because if this thing morphs into something that the vaccine doesn't work against, we're going to be back to square one. So, come on, man. You could see a bunch of us has taken it already. Nothing happened. Nobody died. Right. And you don't know free, that. I think. It's my body. You know what? That's part of the yeah. problem that it's free. They should charge $100 for that shot. Maybe then people would value it. <laughs> Americans have well, a I got mine, man, and I, you know, I mask up and, you know, just, just follow the fucking rules. You know what I mean? Cool. All just, right. Later. Just get it done. I appreciate it, man. I love you guys. You're the best. Thanks, Henry. Henry in Florida, at least he's vaccinated. A lot of folks over in Florida not. Florida having a tough time. I heard that uh, somebody had some kind of an issue that wasn't COVID related and they couldn't really get to a right. hospital in their local area because it was so overrun with COVID patients. Well, they should stop. Anyone who's unvaccinated and needs to be in the hospital for a COVID, they should just say, no, we're sorry. We told you to get vaccinated and you didn't. So you're done. That's it. Go home and uh, take that horse uh, dewormer. Good luck to you, since you're willing to now take whatever it is. Yeah, I thought that you needed FDA approval for everything. There's not any yeah. FDA approval of horse dewormers for humans. Yeah, unless you're a horse. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy, you're on the air. Hey, now, Howard. Hey, you know. just jumping on what you just said, I'm a registered Republican, but I am fed up with these anti-mask, anti-vax assholes that live around me. I'll tell you that. I'm with you. You know, um, I got to tell you, I have a friend. I have a friend in Pennsylvania. So he's got young kids and he's telling me this is unbelievable. 
he's telling me they they're they're talking about sending the kids back to school. This was over the summer, and um, all the parents were saying, you know, a lot of the parents were saying, "Hey, we want everyone to wear masks. We want our, our kids aren't vaccinated. These are young children." So um, all the anti-mask assholes were up in arms. You're taking away our yeah. Freedom they blah, blah. started protesting. So the school board had a big meeting, and they invited the public in, and they invited a doctor and a nurse in to talk about some of the dangers of what they've seen in the hospital and how bad COVID can really be, and especially now it's affecting young kids and blah, blah, blah. The doctor gets up to address the crowd. Like a whole bunch of these parents start screaming, we know where you live. We know where you live, drowning him out. This is a doctor, a guy who took his valuable time to address these morons. And now they're threatening, meaning we know where you live. We'll kill you uh, if you keep talking about masks. And I'm like, this is what I'm talking about, man. This is bizarro world. I mean, I don't know what's going My friend's telling me, she goes, can you believe this? I go, to a doctor who wants to, like, they're trying to screw over everybody or there's some weird agenda. That, it's it's. But by the same token, these are the people who are screaming about freedom and they want to take away the doctor's right to speak. Yeah. It's Taliban stuff. It's dummies. Where I live, Howard, the whole city council and the mayor got voted out of office by a whole bunch of candidates who were anti-mask. And I'm Mm. up in arms. I just don't know what to do. It makes me want to move, frankly. Where are you? Uh, But I am in Missouri, southern Missouri. Well, what drives me but, crazy uh, more is that. The, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, no, it's go, too late in the show. No, no, sorry, no. I was just going to say more importantly, it's the minority ruling the majority. The majority of the people in this country believe that we should be wearing masks. Taking uh, a woman should have the right to choose. A woman should. Uh, uh, everyone should. And uh, voting take the should vaccine. be easier. Yeah, not harder. Uh, not more restrictive. Yeah. All that stuff, and then. Hey. You know, we've got a system where you lose by three million votes and then you're the president fucked up. And then you get to appoint the Supreme Court justices. The the whole the whole thing's whacked out. Anyway, you were saying, Jeremy. I was saying that it's time to move on to something more important, like best ass. I I had a chance to look at that photo. And uh, number one, anybody that is harping on Beth, I cannot think of a better way to sell anything, not to mention uh, Helen Rose totes, than to have it draped over her shoulder with her ass conveniently right below it. Genius. Yeah. yeah one woman wrote her and said, hey, I tune I, I um, follow your Instagram because of cats, not for your bikini or ass shot. <laughs> and I go, well, fuck you. Then don't follow her. I mean, what do you mean you follow? What, so desperate for followers. There was a cat. Um, there was a there cat. Was a cat. That was Howard. my painting, yeah. Down. Yeah, why is her um, ass keeping wanted... this woman off the site? <laughs> <laughs> right. What's what's the problem what there? I was, what I was going to ask you is uh, she was not wearing a thong. She was wearing a more traditional bikini, but there was a fair amount of that material in the bottom of her ass streaks there. And I didn't know if you had Asterix. anything to do with that or if, <laughs> yeah. or if she was, uh, if it was just her walking or if you helped kind of guide it in there or what it was just so no, she was walking about. and said, take a picture of the tote. And I said, you should turn around. It looks really cool when it's over your shoulder like that. And I was looking at her ass and I go, you know, your ass looks great. And she's like, she's very self-conscious. She walks around with like 
even by the pool, like a towel around her ass so that I, I can't see it. I go, Wrong first of all, I've seen you naked. And secondly, you've got a great ass. And uh, what, what's going on great here? So, so when she was turned around, <laughs> I took the picture. And she looked at it and she goes, yeah, it does look good. I go, yeah, you should, you should so use that. you didn't that tuck to anything. You didn't adjust the suit is what he's. No, asking. that's how the suit looked. But it did look like she had a fair amount of that material shoved, shoved up her ass. And, well, that's uh, what happens when you move and you're wearing a bikini. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 last night I said to her, I think it's bang o'clock time. And she seemed to indicate no. She, was, she had too much to do. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to insist well, on it. Well, you better schedule something. You better tell her, you know, well, let's put it on the schedule then. Time for the boom boom room. Come on. You're torturing me here. Maybe you a could get boom, boom, bang a clock early tomorrow so you could take your nap. Yeah, I got to take a nap before that Metallica Maybe she show. can help you. That's right. You're you're making sense here. Yeah, maybe she could uh, relieve me of my poison. <laughs> Release my poison. Ass juice. Yeah. Some ass juice. Ass juice. Thank you, Bronnie. Hey, anyway, Jeremy, I got to go. Hey, thanks, Howard. Robin, you too. Be safe. Oh, my God. I can't believe where he lives. They're voting out people with any sense. Hey, Paul. Paul in Wyoming. Hey. What's up, pal? Yes, sir. Casper. Nice. Casper, Wyoming. Oh. I'm here and a half ago, February. Have you? Yeah. 500,000, 600,000 in the whole state. And people are fighting over maths for kids in school. And last February 2020, um, I ended up being in the hospital for 10 weeks. And they told me it was COVID. I'm not positive how accurate they were. There wasn't really really any tests here yet. Hmm. But uh, I died for 30 minutes. And they and Sheridan, they're fighting because they wanted a mask mandate, and their parents were up in arms. I know. What I the fuck? I don't you know, kids are get getting it. really sick. Some kids get really sick with the kids COVID are dying. now because they of this new variant and have died. Did you hear? There's a there's a forget the Delta variant. There's another variant coming. Oh, Lambda's it's, on the way. Lambda's on um on the on in the on deck circle. What's Moo? Really? Moo. <laughs> That's what a cow says. There's, yeah, there's a Brazilian I, thing, you know, something coming up from South America. There's something yeah, isn't that the, from Asia. So, I'm being serious. Isn't that the Moo variant? Wow. I'm being serious. I, I haven't heard of the Moo variant. Oh. I know there was a Lambda. Me either. And that, I, I think, South I heard of Lambda fairly, and I know Delta. And uh, um, I got vaccinated, so hopefully I don't get it again. But it's just people don't get it. They don't. You're not protecting you. You're protecting me. You know, you're protecting yourself and you're protecting you, which is great. Right. And they just don't, they don't get it. My body, my choice, my ass. Yeah. Except for if you're a woman and you get pregnant. You don't want to have a baby, right? Yeah. yeah. Then then you don't get a choice. No, absolutely. You got to have a baby after your uncle rapes you. You know, you you don't get a choice unless you're some dude. Uh, What up, John? That makes perfect sense. The, uh, the The World Health Organization is investigating Moo. And they say it has the ability to evade immunity, yeah. which is provided by vaccines. Uh, so people, this is the problem. And where We're is it, be- John? Do you know where it's located right now? 
uh, in your in house, Columbia. Robin. I'm not kidding. I see it right behind no, you. Nothing gets in here, Howard. This is the yeah. <laughs> all right. Hey, I'll tell you I one. I believe thing. they discovered it in uh, Columbia, in Tron- Robin. Columbia. Uh oh. In the Chona County where I live, our hospital is at first pandemic peaks for hospitalizations already. They're turning people. They have to ship them off. Yeah. Because the ICU here is full. You know who's from Columbia? You know, Juan Valdez, the demanding one uh, from the coffee. I hope community. he's okay. I hope, I hope is he he's wearing okay. a mask? Yeah. All right, Paul. Thanks. <laughs> is uh, that donkey wearing a mask? Take care, guys. Later. <laughs> bye bye. Paul in Wyoming. There's a bunch of people on the phone, I, I, but we got to go. Let me. I, I hate to leave people hanging, but we're going to be back tomorrow for a special. Yeah, we'll show. be back uh, at noon tomorrow. Call us then. Robin, we're turning into workaholics. <laughs> I'm very, very frightened by this. This Thursday show. God, I'm just got to make enough time for friends and family. I mean, I'm busy working every minute. Yes, you're neglecting uh, your loved ones. You have other yeah. responsibilities. You know, you're a family man. That's right. And I'm down here in the basement toiling. <laughs> hey, balls. What up? Hey now, Howard. I'm so happy you're back, man. And my life was very, very unhappy until you guys came back in the radio. So I just wanted to tell you real fast, great interview with Martin Short and Steve Martin. What I did want to ask you, that you had mentioned you get filled with such nervousness because you admire them so much. How do you get past that? And how do you think they've had longevity in the comedy world so long? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, you know how they had longevity. They're they're fucking brilliant and they're driven. Um, I, I wasn't really nervous. I, I just want to do a good job for you guys. I want to make sure everybody kind of feels like they really got to know Steve Martin and Martin Short and hang with them. And you know, but uh, you know, I, I do how have. How does a, it feel um, when you ha- are talking to Steve Martin and he tells you the first time he realized you were funny? Oh, you know, first of all, it's such a great thrill to be talking to Steve Martin. It's beyond my wildest dreams. I even said to Beth over vacation, I was like, you know, can you believe like I get to talk to some of the, you know, I started talking to some of these people and uh, I I know I was talking to my friend, Dr. Lou, you know, my my friend since fourth grade. And I said, Lou, can you believe like I, I got to sit with like Paul McCartney and talk to him about making music or Neil Young? I mean, Lou and I used to sit and listen to Neil Young incessantly in college and just the, he goes, yeah, he goes, I think about it sometimes. It's kind of crazy. I go, yeah, sometimes I think it'd be really cool if I could share that with you because you and I spent so much time listening to these guys. And he's like, yeah. So I, sh- I should have become a disc jockey. I said, yeah. But the, but <laughs> but the it, point is that now you're this guy you idolize and you think is a genius is telling you, you make him laugh. Yeah, well. I think he's saying it just to be nice. No, I, he's told I see, me. Before, I don't even think you can take that no, in. That like no, that's he, what uh, he said. Yeah. You know, he told me. Um, no, he he listens to the show regularly and always enjoys it. And you know, that's that's kind of thrilling. But yeah, no, it's a thrill to balls to to speak to these guys and 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 pal around with them. It's really it's very very cool. And um, it's really true what I said. Like when I emailed Steve, it's like oh, I shouldn't bother this guy. He didn't want to hear from me. And then uh, he writes me back and he went, ah, I think you've just wrote the same thing to everybody. You know what I mean? How it's like, I'm that not be a form letter. That would be like the most brilliant form letter ever. It was, a, it was a couple of lines. And he went, I, I probably Steve sent this to anyone who bothers him, you know? <laughs> yes, I'm doing fine. Everything's, you know, but, uh, anyway, Paul, I got to go. Oh yeah, go ahead real quick. 
Uh, do you take a different approach when you're interviewing like funny people as opposed to like like a rock star or anybody else? No, not really. I I just uh, I go with what I'm most interested in, and and then I try to also figure out what the audience might be interested in. You know. That's okay, it. Thanks a lot. Huh? Peace and love. All right, Cole. All right, Pauls. You know, the one thing I thought about with Steve is, you know, like he's losing collaborators now, you know, like Carl Reiner. Mm. Yeah. Things like that. I don't, you know, that's like got to be a bummer because he did a lot. Yeah. Carl Reiner. Yeah, you're right. Seth, you're on the air. Hey, Howard. Hey, Robin. How are y'all doing today? Good. Yeah. So kind of wanted to get y'all's thoughts. On something. So my ex-wife doesn't believe in the COVID vaccine. <laughs> uh, that's why she's probably my ex-wife. I but, guess she's um, a scientist and knows everything. No, she's a bitch. Um, <laughs> but she gave my daughter COVID. Of course she did. She my seven-year-old daughter, mm. who already has a uh, existing medical condition, gave her COVID. Now we're going through a pretty heated uh, legal battle so I can get mm. full custody because I have common sense because I was the first in line to get a vaccine when it was available for me. Well, you're right. Yeah, this this is you. a form of abuse, uh, what your wife is practicing, in my opinion. And she doesn't do feel mean? bad about giving her daughter COVID? She doesn't feel that she should have done anything differently or is doing anything differently now? No, Robin. She doesn't, like I said, she doesn't even believe in the vac- vaccination. Hell, she doesn't even have a college degree, so, but I guess she thinks she's a scientist. But no, she doesn't think it's a, uh, a bad thing. And then, uh, her, her new husband, she gave it to his kids as well. So, my daughter and his three kids all got COVID. So, I, I, I can't what, take what it. My... I can't take Howard, it. I can't so, what's, it. so, what's your like lawyer saying? Do you have a shot at getting the kid? We sent the, he basically said that, you know, because I, I moved out of state. Um, he said that's probably going to be the worst. That's probably the worst thing right there is that I left. But we sent mm. a petition to the uh, to the judge this week, um, basically begging for mercy so I can get my kid because of what she's doing. Good luck. Her. I hope I hope it uh, yeah. works out. I do. That's Seth trying to get his kid. All depends on which judge you get. All right, Tim, you're last, and I really do have to go. Go ahead. I'm working too much. I'm, hey, I'm Howard, I turned hey, into an extreme workaholic. It's very depressing. And we'll see you tomorrow hey, anyway. Now. Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, I, I just wanted to mention, I have seen mentions of the Moo variant that you brought up. Uh, it's in 49 of 50 states in this country. Wow. Moo? Moo. M-U. M-U, yes. Yep. All right. Doctors and scientists fear that it's, it's starting to evade vaccines. This, this could right. be the one that tears up the Northeast this winter, unfortunately. Yeah, um, someone told me about this variant at the beginning of the summer that it was coming and that it was going to make all the other shit look like a picnic. And I was like, oh, I hope he's yeah. wrong. But he was right again. All right. Thanks, Tim. Jeez. Well, there's a depressing note to end the show on. Yeah, but. yeah. Why did we keep going? We were doing so well. Yeah, maybe we should do something happy before we leave. Like, Robin, talk about your sex life. And uh, that'll make it. <laughs> oh, now you really want to depress people. Hmm. Oh, stop it. Uh, anyway. I love dick. <laughs> I know you do, Robin. And you, you should be proud Big of yourself. Big dick energy. Right. right. I'll take the dildo. I know. Open that Thanks. cunt. What? Yes, Robin. 
Now they're really? putting things together. <laughs> Those devils. The devils I in the back facial. room. A lot I of people facial. are. I know, Robin. I, um, a lot of people Fuck are me. asking me. Yes, we will. Um, me. <laughs> later. Yeah, just of- try to talk. <laughs> Have the finger put up your bum. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you're so entertaining, by the way, when you talk sexually. I love it. I need a cock. So a lot of people are asking me to get an update on Fred and like what yes. was Fred's what did summer. Fred do with two months off? Yeah, we'll do that. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. And people want to know about Benji or they want to know about, you know, various show members. I There's so many things. I have an update on the WAC Pack and what they did over the summer. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, so, you know. In any case, uh, I don't want to end on a bummer, but I'm out of steam. You want to sing something to cheer everyone up, maybe? Oh, one of the things I'm never doing again is singing cocaine after learning about Uh, anti-vaxxer. Oh, Eric Clapton's wacky. Eric Clapton? Yeah, 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 yeah. We got to talk about that. Gee. Cocaine. Cocaine. (laughs) Cocaine. Who promoted him more than me? Yeah, you. <laughs> Down to the ground, cocaine. She don't lie, she don't lie. Oh, she lies. Cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. Do you feel? Uh, and you wanna run on cocaine? Do you feel qualified to change the lyrics to cocaina? I was feeling very free that day. Cocaine. And I knew that he needed some help. Based on what I'm reading about Eric Clapton, uh, he's fine with cocaine, but not vaccine. That's his no, there. no. Vaccina. No vaccine. 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 Vaccina. Cocaina. Vaccine. Sound she dance lied. now. I make money moves. All right. Now you put everyone in a good mood. Yeah, I think right. I had just come back from South America somewhere and, you know, heard the term cocaina. I'll leave you with this. Nebraska is the only state. Ignite the light and let it shine. <laughs> just on the night like the fourth of July. Cause Oh. Ouch. <laughs> Come on, show them what you're worth. I Make like that go, version. Uh, 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 as you shoot yeah. across the sky. Uh, uh. <laughs> Nebraska. All right. All right, Fred. Knock it off. Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the genius of Fred. Nebraska is the only state <laughs> where the moo variant has not been detected. So the moo is on the move. There you go. Uh-huh. All right. The moo variant. All right. Ah, ah, Variant. I got to go read about moo.